You're listening to the number one talk show in court, The Neil Prendeville Show. Double gold award winners at the National IMRO Radio Awards. This is Cork's Red FM. Venture lines open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Thanks to the gang, uh, my own gang, my own team, and uh, Mick Mulcahy as well for uh, looking after the ship last week, as always. Uh, it's uh, World Mental Health Day today, um, and uh, some of the papers are talking of it. And I was wondering if you were to sum up how to you know, improve our own mental health Maybe it would be something along the lines of maybe speak to yourself like you speak to others and show yourself the same kind of compassion and kindness that you show to others uh, for what it's worth in the day that's in it. Um, And God knows uh, our hearts are broken and we're not even from uh, County Donegal and we probably wouldn't know where Chrysler is. But we know now um, and all of the papers uh, carry this story uh, from Friday. uh, Ten victims of an explosion horror, a tragic accident that led to the deaths of 10 beautiful lives of all ages. And the papers are dominated by it on their front pages today. I'll be coming back to it in a few minutes' time. Uh, But uh, this morning's sun says, our hearts are broken. Not just the community who clearly are shocked. Such a tiny village. There's only a few hundred people living there. To say that everybody knew everybody would be an understatement. Um, You know, were it to happen in a city... It would be of no, no less tragedy, if you know what I'm saying. But in small, tight-knit communities like this. And the papers this morning uh, carry photographs of all of those uh, who lost their lives. Leona Harper, age 14. Catherine O'Donnell, age 39. Uh, Jamie Monaghan, age 13. Martina Mar- Martin, at uh, 49 years of age. Um, the papers also carry uh, photographs, extensive photographs of Robert Garway, age 50. And his daughter, uh, Shauna, uh, age 5. Um, they carry photographs of Jamie Monaghan, age 13, and his mother, uh, Catherine O'Donnell, and Hugh Kelly, age 59, James O'Flaherty, age 48. Um, they carry photographs of Martin McGill, age 49, and Jessica Gallagher, age 24, Martina Martin, age 49, all of them. Um, and the front of the mirror says, pray for them. The mail looks at the story in itself as to what happened, and God knows, um, you know, at some stage we, we will know, but they are suggesting that a gas leak inside one of the apartments over the Apple Green uh, service station in Chrysler is, is suspected to have caused the deadly explosion. Now, the Gardaí aren't commenting because they have an investigation underway, uh, but a source said that it was likely that the blast came from a property above the grocery store rather than the petrol station I- itself. So, some more on this story in a few minutes' time because we'll go live to uh, Donegal. In other news, and this has proved quite divisive, um, and this, of course, is Bus Connect. It dominates the papers this morning. Owen English does a real serious drill into it in the examiner this morning. And Amy Nolan does in this morning's Echo. Uh, We'll listen to the residents, says the NTA. It's the National Transport Authority that are behind it. Um, They're not a fait compli in the sense that what they've proposed, you know, with all of these bus corridors and the things that they wish to do, aren't necessarily how it's going to end up. Now, I know Micheál Martin had, um, you know, comments on this at the weekend, you know, and I'll, I'll be coming back to this story as well. And one of the last bits of business I did before I was away last week was talking to Simon Coveney, and he said similar. He said, this is the original proposal uh, with regards to Bus Connect, but it will be entirely different when the final proposal is put forward. I think they tend to kind of throw the kitchen sink at everything, don't they, when they propose things like this, where they know there's going to be a pushback. They say, okay, let's throw everything at it, 
Some of it will stick, some won't. And by the time we're finished then, people will be relieved and grateful uh, because it wasn't as bad as it was planned first day. You know, that kind of a thing. Uh, Own English and the Examiner this morning says that uh, we are looking at um, hundreds of people's gardens uh, being taken, or por- portions of them, uh, over a thousand on-street sp- parking spaces, and the cutting down and felling of more than 1,400 trees uh, to make way for 12 strategic transport corridors to allow buses to move around and indeed more people uh, to cycle. Don't know where they're going to get all these cyclists from, but what do I know? Papers also this morning talk about another tragedy, uh, another, and I hate even using the terms because they're just so awful when you hear of a murder, suicide. Uh, but this morning, the Mirror and the Red Tops talk of a note that was found where the bodies of a mother and her baby son were discovered at their home in a suspected murder-suicide. And this will form the major focus of the investigation. Now, Ma'am Kate was 35 and she had a seven-month-old son, Vincent. They're looking, looking for anybody else in connection with the incident. But does anybody think that we're hearing way too many of these tragic stories? You know, we have uh, the loss of life of a parent or parents and child or children. There's times this morning said that the um, guardies suspect that Ma'am in her 40s and baby might have ingested some kind of a poisonous substance. Little 11-month-old uh, baby. And then there are other family stories dominating the papers. God knows uh, there isn't a day goes by that we don't hear of people struggling with somewhere to live. And a lot of the time these are people holding down good jobs. There's a story of a family of four, um, husband and wife and their two children. Both, incidentally, children are on the autistic spectrum. They're living in a tent and they plead for help and um, they're not being listened to. Uh, Put families first, is what they're saying, with regards to all of the money that this state has to spend on various things when it comes to budget announcements. The star says, family of four live in a tent, and they're pleading for a home. And if you thought that it was only Irish hotels that ripped you off and put up the prices when major events happen, like big gigs, whether in Cork or Parky Cueve or you know, Croke Park or the RDS or whatever the case may be. Uh, It happens in the UK as well. And it happened over the weekend in Liverpool. The UK Times this morning tell us, and this is why there's very little sympathy for hoteliers when they cry the poor mouth. They cancel bookings and rocket up hotel prices when a big event comes along. That's exactly what they did in Liverpool because Liverpool were chosen to host the Eurovision because clearly Ukraine can't do it. Came down to Liverpool and Glasgow in Europe and uh, Liverpool won. And what happened? Um, People who had bookings on the night or the weekend of May 13th had their bookings cancelled. Because they knew they'd get an awful lot more. And in fact, some hotels and B&Bs are charging, this is the higher end I know, €8,000 a night for somebody who might be a fan of Eurovision and wants to go. Uh, and I liked this story as well. I don't know if I'll get to drill into it today, but maybe later in the week, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. The Daily Telegraph on Saturday in the UK said they're going to start looking at universities differently and that, that universities could and should be fined if they do not provide students who graduate with a job offer or find them a job. I mean, wouldn't that cause chaos in the universities were that to ever happen? There's a lot of other stories making the papers today of a lighthearted note. One or two of them I'll deal with now and some more later on. But this is an interesting one in the sense that if you if you don't like Mondays, as the Boomtown Rat song goes, um, you're not alone because apparently people, what is it they call it? Is it the fear on Sunday night? I think it's the fear, isn't it? But the Times UK calls it the Sunday scaries, where on Sunday evening, uh, 7 out of 10 people 
get the Sunday scaries and they dread the week ahead. Um, and it's uh, 74% of 18 to 24-year-olds who get the Sunday scaries most of all. Like way back in the day for young fellas and young girls, it was Sunday night when you hadn't got the echo done for Monday morning, no homework done. That was... <laughs> That was a panic. Um, but 18 to 24-year-olds say it causes uh, worry, lack of sleep, um, and the looming to-do lists that should have been done, particularly for work on Monday morning. But don't worry about it. At least there's strength in numbers. A lot more people feel the same about Monday mornings. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 Cork's Red FM. And so to Chris, we go and all of the papers this morning carry the story and why wouldn't they? And also uh, many newspapers carry photographs of those who lost their lives and bear in mind as well that there are also other people in hospital um, and hopefully all of them will survive and uh, will be back with their families, but 10 certainly will not be. Um, journalist with Donegal Life, uh, Chris McNulty joins me by phone. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thank you for taking the time out this morning. I know that within an hour of the explosion, you were at the scene in Creaseland. I was saying this morning, it's a tiny community. We're only talking about a number of hundred people living there together. Isn't that right? That's correct. Creaseland is a, a community of, of, of maybe just over 400 people. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a, I suppose, your typically small rural, rural Irish community. What did you see when you arrived there? Well, I suppose the first thing you see is is, is just confusion. Um, you know, you just you just see people people not knowing what what's going on. I mean, it was a number of hours really before the before the scale of what was unfolding sort of really hit home. Um, you know, you arrived there first. You know, the traffic diverted like like traffic's backed up for miles away, and, um, and 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 people really just just don't know what had happened. All we had heard was sort of. The word explosion, and it was it was really Friday night before before we sort of realised what we were dealing with, and then, and then indeed on, on on Saturday morning, um, first light Saturday was probably where the real where where, where the real horror began to unfold. Where you know you go to bed on Friday night, and, and there are three people confirmed dead, and you wake up Saturday morning, and that that toll has risen by four and. You know, I've said to a number of people over the weekend when 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 I arrived at the, at the at the scene on Saturday morning, the sound of silence was, was so evident. Um, you know, there's so many people just just coming and 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 sort of paying their own little silent vigils and you know, paying a little prayer and just, and just just sort of standing there in thought. And um, it, it was Saturday morning before the before the real scale and the real horror was 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 really evident. Daylight. Um, the, the actual area itself. We're looking at a, a petrol station and a shop and, and a post office and above it then a number of apartments. Is that right? That, that's, that, that's correct. I mean, I mean, I mean this complex, uh, uh, you know, it, it has been in the Lafferty family for, 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 for a generation or two now and it, it, was, it, it was the heart of the community. If you can't imagine, it's, it's, a, it's a small village and this was the only shop that was, you know, the Inside the shop then was was the local butcher shop. It was the it was the post office. It had the ATM. There was there was a beauty salon attached to it, and and, and of course the the filling station forecourt, and then and then above it a number of a number of apartments. You know, in, in which people in which people resided. Like that, like like this was this 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 complex was home for a number of people. And I know the stories of all of those who passed away are tragically sad. There's the story of Robert Garway and his daughter Shauna, um, who 
went in to buy a cake for Shauna's mother. It's just awfully sad, isn't it, to hear stories like that? There's the story of Leona Harper, age 14, went in on Friday afternoon with her pal to buy an ice cream. You know, it's awful. Yeah, and uh, and I suppose in the case of Leona Harper had had other plans for Friday, but but decided then that at some point late in the week, um, Leona Harper decided that she wanted to go to to Chrysler for a sleepover at a, at a at a friend's house. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, so so, so many things. Both, you know, uh, we heard so many stories yesterday of people who missed this by by literally by minutes. You know, we, we had one woman who who showed us a receipt from the post office at fifteen oh eight. You know, just literally minutes away from being involved in this. And you know, we we, we spoke to one local rescue rescuer who pulled a little girl out of the out of the rubble on Friday afternoon and and. They get back out to the car, and, and the little girl asked to go back in for ice cream. You know, she know. They, they had actually located her at, at the ice cream machine in the shop, or, or what was the ice cream machine in the shop? And you know, the the, the sort of innocence of the that innocence sort of, of it. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Martina Martin uh, worked behind the counter, uh, lost her life, was tragically killed in the blast, and would have been known to everybody going in there because, as you say, it was a multifunctional shop and petrol station. So she would have known all and all would have known her. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like you're 100% right. I mean, like, like this complex was everything and anyone in, in the village, you, like you actually had to use the shop. There, there was really no avoiding the shop. No matter what function you wanted to perform in the village of Chrysler, this was where you went. Even, you know, pe- pe- people have spoke anecdotally in the, in the last couple of days. It was just where they went maybe in the morning for a cup of coffee to speak to somebody, you know, just just, just for a, a, a... It was a social hub as much as anything else, you know, as much as they, being the shop and being the post office and everything else. It was it, it was just where people went to meet other people. And, and you're absolutely right, you know, Martina, I mean, it comes from, from a lovely family in Letterkenny and a, you know, a particularly well-known family at that in, in, in Letterkenny, which is, you know, maybe around 20, 20 kilometres from Chrysler and and Martino's very, very popular member member of staff in, in, in Lafferty's. And then I read the story at the weekend of Jessica Gallagher, who died at the age of 24. She wasn't in the shop, but she was going to visit her boyfriend, who lived in his apartment above the petrol station. Isn't that right? That, that's correct. And, and, and indeed, her, her, her boyfriend re- remains in a, a critical condition in a, in a Burns unit in Dublin. You know, J- Jessica is a... A, a student had spent some time in, in Paris and Belfast, and and had just sort of come back for the week for the weekend to to spend some time with her boyfriend. I mean, all of these stories, I mean, they're so tragic, you know, because they're 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 all so personal and they're all so innocent in their own right. You know, I mean, go back to the Martina one, like she's just done doing a day's work. You have Jessica who's, who's just coming to visit her boyfriend. You have those children who who were just into. And to sort of pick up stuff, she had the little girl picking up a birthday cake uh, for her mother. Yeah, little Jamie Monaghan, 13-year-old Jamie and his mam Catherine also lost their lives with a whole yeah, life like, ahead of them. Like, like you look at the school in, in nearby Milford, they've, they've lost two students and, and, and indeed two two mothers of students as well. And, and, and you know, you begin to think how that school community this morning is, is, is beginning to deal with this. You, you deal, of course, of course, with the, with the school of, of that little five-year-old. I mean, she had just, just started school in, in the last couple of weeks. And I thought it was very poignant, the, the actual image 
um, that that was shared of her was 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 a first day at school photograph, and you that's think right. that's that's all that's only weeks ago, that's you know, right. and it's, yeah. it's just it, it just sort of really I think brings home the brings home the devastation. You know something, you're you're so right. You're you know you're so right, and and it shows it's it gives us an insight into modern Ireland. Robert Garway. Uh, was is originally a man from uh, Zambia, I believe. Came over here, started a family here. Um, you know, lived in the beautiful little village uh, with the rest of his family. Uh, worked here, and his little daughter Shauna, who passed away, started school here. Um, a new life. That's for the correct. Moment. Yeah, that's correct. Robert. Robert was out. He was, he was from from Zimbabwe and, and came over here to, to to start a family. And we have James O'Flaherty, another another guy who's a forty year old who lived in Dunfanny. He was originally from Sydney in Australia and, and, and had come over and, and, and based in Dunfanny he now for a number of years and you know, it really it, it really, really was, you know, I mean we, we we spoke to a number of people yesterday from the J Clubs and Michaels. Um and like like at a point in time the the club's sort of success in terms of its of its membership was based on, on what they call a parish league. So, you know, you know, the people from the various town lands would play against each other and, you know, they just spoke they they knew all of these people yeah, because yeah. of that, you know, they may they, they may not at, at at this moment in time have been members, but they were all just so active in the community. And and again, it's a snapshot of rural Ireland because you know, everyone does everything, and it's it's so small. Everyone you know takes part in and whatever whatever happens, and and the club and the community just just so intertwined in everything it does. I'll keep you for one or two minutes more. You did mention the injured, um, and there are a number of them. Do do we know how many, and do we know of their condition? I believe one man is critical. Yeah, so so there there are one man, there eight eight people, um, as as well as the as as the ten who have tragically lost their lives. There were eight people um, transferred to the hospital. One of them is in the Burns unit at at St James's Hospital in Dublin and and remains in a critical condition. And I suppose our thoughts and and, and prayers are are with with he and his family this morning. Then seven people. Uh, were transferred to Letterkenny University Hospital as an emergency uh, plan enacted in, in the LUH on, on Friday evening. And seven people there and, and thankfully remain in a, a, a stable condition uh, with non-life-threatening injuries. Is, is Donegal Live investigating at this stage or are you waiting for the Gardaí to release information as to what actually happened that led to the explosion, I wonder, Chris? Yeah, well, uh, I suppose we we do understand that it, it was a gas explosion of some sort. Now, what what caused that? We we do know that the Garda, the, the technical bureau, were in over over the weekend, and and the Garda also calling in explosives experts now from this morning to examine it, to examine the actual cause of that explosion. Um, but but we do know it it was gas related. Um, uh, gas that was attached to the apartment complex um, or the apartment part of the complex um, but the actual cause of, of that is, is now being investigated by experts uh, as and from this morning But uh, I see the mail is suggesting that it was possibly in one of the apartments as opposed to the service station, is it too early to, to say? Yeah, no, that 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 seems to be the that that does indeed seem to be seem to be the case. Um, I, I, I mean, just just stories at the at the weekend that that just, that just show sort of both sides of this. For people that were actually in in one part of the shop and in, in, in the butcher's um, section of the shop, walked out of this unscathed without a mark. God. 
and people, you know, and, and, and you can't imagine, and, I, and I'm sure people listening, you know, they're aware of these complexes. I mean, these filling stations, they're in every town and village. And, mm. and, and you know, you, you see them, they're, they're little bustling hives of activity. And, and again, it's at three o'clock on a Friday after, after school and after work. And, you know, you can, you can imagine yeah. what it was like. And, yeah. you, you know, you, you just sort of can, can see them. The, the division and, and that where, where people in one section are able to walk out the back door, literally walk out the back door where other people un, un, unfortunately, you know, are, are, are being taken home to their families and, and you know, unfortunately now, I mean you know, you think of, of this small community of 400 people preparing itself this week for 10 funerals Awful. Listen, our thoughts are with you all in uh, Donegal and in Chrysler itself. Perhaps you might pass on our condolences and Maybe let people know that here in Cork, a book of condolence will open today at midday in Cork City Hall for the victims and their families. It's of it's a small, of maybe little consolation to know that the whole country and our thoughts are, are with you all up there. But Chris, thank you so much for taking the call. Thank you. Much obliged to you. Chris McNulty is journalist with uh, Donegal Live. Meanwhile, Bernard Doherty is a fire prevention investigations officer in Letterkenny with the HSE. You might find find, uh, portions of this conversation disturbing, but he joins me by phone. Bernard, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I want to thank you for holding. You have been for quite some time. Um, You did arrive at the scene shortly after the incident, and I think you were quoted as saying in... Your 15 years of working in the fire service, it was the worst incident you ever came across. Um, you will have to deal with those sites in your memory for the rest of your life, though. Yes, well, just to clarify, Neil, my, my role there on Friday was, I worked for the HSE. I wasn't there in any capacity in terms of emergency services, but purely as a local volunteer. Mm. And um, there were many people actually went to the scene to help in any way they could, wasn't there? There was. There was people who got there before me, um, I, I got there. Um, fuck off! It was just it was pure pandemonium. It was, uh, uh, you know, just impossible to even take in. I mean, it's, it's three days on now, almost three days on, and I'm still sh- shaking when I think about it. You know, it was just absolutely stuff of nightmares. You know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Watching people being pulled from the wreckage as as you arrived. Uh, th- thankfully, you know, people getting there as fast as they did probably saved some lives by doing just that, right? Yeah, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. Yeah. So what are we? What are we? What are we looking at here now with regards to how an investigation, um, not taking from the tragic loss of life, but the investigation now is ongoing. What's what's liable to happen in that regard? Because it was gas. They say it could have been static electricity. It may have been a gas leak. Is is it too early to say or even to to wonder? Well, imagine as as Chris said, the Garda Technical Bureau are in there. Um, there've been investigations. Um, look, it's just I suppose a lot of damage done to the building, so I don't know how they're even going about starting. Um, yeah, look, it's just a tragic, it's a tragic accident, and you know, obviously, it's just it's, it's, it's hard to even comprehend here. Three days on, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe you, but many units of the fire brigade were there. Ambulances, civil defence, clearly members of Angarda Shikona, St John's Ambulance, first aid responders and many local volunteers. Um, and of course, with the size of Chrysler, everybody knows each other, of course. So it's personal to all, isn't it? And as you know, look, I suppose landing there as a, as a, as a volunteer to help, the first thing I done was, you know, I just had a quick scope around the, the forecourt to see many cars was there, you know, that I recognise, you know, a small village, everybody. Sorry, one of you still there, Bernard? No, I think that line has dropped, unfortunately. 
sometimes the line comes back so if I wait a couple of seconds perhaps you might be there again Hello. there you are Bernard sometimes that happens right. my apologies for you You said you yeah. did a you did a quick scope of the forecourt just a quick glance around you know it's a small village everybody knows what car people drive so uh, just a, a quick look around to see what, what cars are in the forecourt to see if I recognise them or to see who would potentially be dealing with or looking for um, to try and figure out I suppose how many would possibly have been in the shop at the time and yeah, it just looks that we just got we got dug in trying to remove rubble and get get people out and trying to just provide whatever sort of help. It's, it's, it's not something you ever think you'll be in a in that kind of position. You you you'd never think you'd be at your, at your local shop, filling station, post office, you know, searching for searching for people, trying yeah. to help people and get them out. You know? That lives could be snatched in a split second. And as Chris was saying, some people in one part of the shop walked out, others, of course, did not. Yeah, I mean, we we were in the, the the back door of the shop. Like you could walk down past what would have been the butcher counter, the mocking bread. I were fairly unscathed, but it's just I suppose wherever the explosion happened, Bob was had had, had caved in. You know, awfully uh, yeah, look, And there's there's so many stories going on. Like my own kids were there with their child, man. You know, no more than an hour beforehand. Really, uh, your own children were in the shop. Yeah, with the, with our child, man. They went down after school at two o'clock. We were about quarter past or twenty past two. Um, I have a cousin whose whose wife left with their little girl and up for their treat after school on a Friday, and she left the shop. And before she got home, she warded him through an explosion at the shop. Um, I've heard too many stories. The lady left to go and get diesel. She got there and really she forgot her bank card and turned to go home, and the explosion happened. So it's just you know there's like that shop sits in the M56, which really is the gateway to the west of Donegal. Um, you know there's a lot of holiday homes around around the area because it's, it's coastal. Um, I mean, during the summer, that shop they skewed out the door. Like there's days you go a pass coming home from work, maybe needing bread or milk, and you just see them out the cars and say, you know what, I'll go on and come back down there. Of on. course, yeah, and it was the post office as well. So many, many people would have used it. The post office was on to the side of the shop. Yet, what was that wasn't as damaged as the shop. Now, but that's you know yourself. You go to the post office. You go to the shop afterwards. You know, there's 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 just between the filling station. Oh, I know. Petrol, post office, lottery, yeah. butcher's counter, ice yeah. cream, sweets, milk, bread. How, I mean, yeah. that that's incredible that, you, that your daughter with the childminder was in there 60 minutes earlier. Like, yeah. how, how are you processing that as a dad? You know, it's one of those things, and I know there's, there's, there's 10, 10 people deceased, which is give or take, you know, 3 or 4% of the population of the town, the equivalent. Um, you know the fact that I have had had no family in the time, and we have like a lot of relatives. You know, it's it's, I don't know, it's unbearable for people who have family. But there's just absolute, I suppose, the worst case of bad luck you could ever imagine. Yeah, I know, I know, without a doubt. You know. Listen, I know it's difficult, but thank you for taking the call. And as I was saying to Chris, our thoughts are with you all. Um, and there's a book of condolence went open in Cork City Hall today at midday, and I can guarantee you, an awful lot of people will sign it. Um, such is our sadness at this awful tragic news. Bernard, thank you for taking the call. Appreciate it. Okay. Good day. Take care. Bernard Doherty, Fire Prevention Investigations Officer, uh, out of Letter Kenny with the HSC. Uh, and as a dad whose daughter and childminder were in that shop 60 minutes earlier, um, that, that, that really pulls to the heartstring, doesn't it? I mean, it could be entirely different were it. 60 minutes later. Our lines are open. You can text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. Back after the break. 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Yes, a gas leak inside one of the apartments is what the papers are saying this morning over the Apple Green service station is suspected. They were saying in the paper this morning even uh, a static electricity spark, even you know, flicking a switch, a light switch where there is gas leaking. And that's why gas has a smell. They add the smell to it so people can tell that there is a gas leak. But it's early days with the Technical Bureau who will be on the scene, they say, for many days to come. Text 0868104106. People are going about their business. And, uh, you know, I think it's absolutely tragic. Little Shauna, for instance, going in all excited. It was a birthday cake she went in with her dad for. A birthday cake for her mammy. It was her mammy's birthday that weekend. Jim, good morning. Hey, how are you, boy? Well, I tell you what, I don't, I don't know, just in case you're going to ask the question, whether the actual tanks that held the petrol, which probably would be underground in the petrol station, yeah, whether yeah. they caught fire. I don't believe they did. Yeah, it looks like gas. Like if it was petrol, it tends to burn a bit longer, don't it? And it, it makes a bigger mess. Like gas very is true. in a big bang. Yeah, very true. But uh, yeah, my, my only concern, Neil, and it's terrible what's happening up there, is, is the fact that we allow residential buildings so close to garages, you know, um, the, the planning laws seem to be very l- light or lapsed on them. We've a, we've a number of developments now in Cork City at the moment where like they've wrapped them around the garages. You know, I I think it's it's, it's another problem ready to happen, and you wouldn't have to think too hard if it goes wrong. The debts we'd say that could happen. You know, that's I think the planning planning should be a I'm bit try, more careful. I'm trying about. To, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of anywhere in my life that I know of a petrol station, whether apartments over, built over it or homes clustered well, around. No. There's a new development now. On the, on I, I wouldn't want to be, yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be honing in on any particular detail. I, I wouldn't either, but they're there, you know. Look, I mean, they're, they're around. Because they got planning no, permission, obviously, you know, so. Oh, yeah, they get all that. But, sure, you know, you know, you have to ask yourself, like, if, if you if you had a, a quarter of an acre in the city and you decided to build a, a petrol station on it, would you get planning for it if there was residential around it? I doubt it. But they seem to have no problem in doing it the, op- the opposite way around, you know. Mm. Mm. Um, I just think it's a concern, and 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 I mean, it's frightening me to be looking out my window down on top of a petrol station every night. You know, going to bed, I wouldn't be a bit comfortable. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, well, it's know, food, I mean, it's know, it's, for thought. I didn't think of it that way. You know, it's a time bomb. It's a time bomb. Like, it's. Yeah. I hope we learn from it. That's all. You know, that we actually come up with. You know, because I'd, I'd hate to be in a situation twelve months time if it happens in Cork. Now, I think this happened in the buildings at more than the garage, but it's the same. You know, it's gas is dangerous, and I, I never like gas. It's, they should phase them out of apartments. They should never be gas in apartments. It's a, it's a bad idea. Well, not if it's installed properly and all of the proper precautions are taken. Oh, it's correct. But, it's, it's, but we say even if it's installed correctly today, so if it's not serviced every year, it's it's a problem. And you're probably serving yours perfectly, but the guy underneath you probably isn't. You know, so you can't. It's just for stupidity, you know? Yeah, I know, I know. And, I they might, and you know, the way it is going out, they might not have the money to service it. Things are plumbers out and cheap. Well, you can be sure one way or the other, a technical investigation will tell us, maybe not in the coming days, but eventually when they find the seat of the blast as to what happened. But what what, what really strikes me is the human stories behind the tragedy and the death. And, you know, people going about their lives, very, very happily going about their lives. And in a split second, uh, tragedy strikes them and their families. And then others who would have left, like the woman who, who went in, about 60 seconds beforehand, realised that she didn't yeah. have her ATM card and went away again. Got back in the car, drove off. She wasn't gone 20 or 30 yards and there was this enormous boom. But your life, life is a lottery. Like, that's, that's, that's every, you know, you could walk down the street and you're happy one moment and the next minute you're not there. That's life. It's, 
It's harsh. That's and a very harsh. interesting point you make because we tend to dwell because we're naturally we go into a default mechanism of worry or panic or fear or anxiety about things that either never happen or aren't important enough to worry about anyway. And we forget that life is precious. Life is very precious and life is important to enjoy it. Strange eye. If you can't go out every day and make someone laugh, you're doing something wrong. Don't get caught in the pits. Yeah, there is a um, book of condolence opening at midday today. It would be lovely if as many people as possible signed it, wouldn't it? Yeah, would, would, would you? Would you? And, well, and good for you covering it as well, because, I mean, I think there's a big close connection between Cork and Donegal. We've all, a lot of us have been up there. Oh, it's beautiful. Um, beautiful place. It is. Beautiful Listen. people. Nice one, Jim. Thanks for taking yeah. the call. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0804106. Back here on Lee side, um, and I remember chatting about this just before I was away last week. A couple of other stories of interest here on Lee side. And I spoke to Simon Coveney uh, on the Friday morning of the week before last. And one of the questions I put to him was to do with uh, Bus Connect. And he, in fairness to him, he didn't, he was open and honest about it. He's not happy with it. He's not happy with the proposals. He's saying that this is early days and that what the NTA ultimately and Bus Connect will come up with eventually will be very different and not as maybe devastating to local communities. Bjorn Martin at the weekend then wrote in and he said that elderly people are in tears uh, with the worry as to what's going to happen to their homes, their gardens and their streets. And he's saying as well that he's very unhappy with the way the NTA have approached this. They could have done it better. Owen English has done a deep dive into the story for the examiner joins me by phone. Owen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. So we have two, so we have two senior politicians on side, and the vast majority of the local city council against it. What, what's going to happen? That's a very good question, Neil. Um, and I suppose what has happened to date is that the uh, National Transport Authority has gone out uh, with its initial plans for these strategic transport corridors, 12 of them in total, to deliver over 90 kilometres of bus lane and over 50 kilometres of bike lane. Um, and people have been quite uh, annoyed and in some places they've been left devastated by how the news has been communicated to them about how these plans might affect them. Uh, Letters were dropped in the doors of people who were going to be directly impacted by some of the routes. And when people opened the the booklets and looked at the maps and saw lines going through their properties and red marks going through their gardens, I think the full impact of what this Bus Connects plan is all about really began to hit home. And it's only in the last couple of weeks as the uh, first phase of public consultation on these proposals uh, came to uh, came to its deadline. The deadline was last Monday, and as people began to realise that they had to make submissions if they wanted to raise their concerns, yeah. that the concern or the full extent of the concern kind of became apparent to us. And you were you were reflecting it on your show, and yeah. we were trying to reflect it in the papers. And I've spent the last two weeks talking to these people uh, and talking to bus users as well, and to cycling lobby groups and to business communities. Um, and I interviewed the chief executive or the deputy chief executive of the National Transport Authority last week and put to him all of the concerns that people have raised with me over the last two weeks. And what he says is going to happen now is that all of the submissions that have been made are going to be considered uh, where good alternatives have come from the community. They will also be considered. And he has said quite clearly that what went out for public consultation are draft proposals uh, he's the same guy who oversaw Bus Connects in Dublin um, and they have uh, started going for planning for some of those core bus corridors in Dublin in the last couple of weeks. 
and what has been gone for plan or what's been submitted for planning uh, is is in some cases uh, much different to what was published in the first round of pub- public consultation. So I think the NTA has been very clear that these are draft proposals in Cork. They're willing to listen to ideas and to alternatives. Uh, they will try to take them on board and that what's proposed is more than likely not what will go for planning. But they've also been very clear to say that uh, doing nothing isn't an option. Something has to be done to future-proof the city's public transport system to make buses run on time uh, and that there will be some pain on some of the routes and that some people, yes, will lose parts of their gardens. Trees will be felled, but there will be uh, tree planting to replace those. Um, but that the impact probably won't be as widespread or devastating as these initial plans okay. have suggested. Okay. Now, you, I, I've spoken with some people over the past couple of months who will be affected by it. I know you have as well. How, how would it actually work? Let's say, for instance, if they do go after people's gardens, do they, and I'm hoping that they don't, do they buy them? Is it a compulsory purchase? How, do, can people refuse? Uh, yes, Neil, it's, it's a compulsory purchase order process and Look, there, there's, there's a long legal process involved in that, but essentially what happens is the, the, the National Transport Authority will say, look, we're putting a strategic transport corridor in this route. It's going to go past your house. We need to take part of your front wall or part of your garden to deliver it, and we're going to CPO the land to do that. And there is a set amount of money set aside for uh, per square metre or, or per acre, depending on how much land they need to take. And you enter into a process uh, with onboard Pranala then, Neil, you, you can object to it, but because it's a CPO process, the only room for negotiation really is over how much you get for the site. So it's a, it'll be a, a haggle over how much you get for the land, basically. Yeah, um, so th- this is for um, buses to run maybe 15 to 20 minutes faster is that it 600 million to get to your destination 15 minutes quicker am i oversimplifying it in many of those cases well it's it's, a, it's yeah it's a bit more than that neil this bus connects thing the 600 million euro is for uh, is, is it includes obviously these strategic transport corridors these super bus lanes but it also includes uh, uh, an entirely new bus network and uh, so new bus routes they were announced in april they won't come into operation until uh, next year. It also includes uh, new bus shelters, new timetables, new electronic signs. But obviously the bulk of the money is going to be spent building and CPOing the land for these bus corridors. And the problem is that without the bus corridors, the new bus network and the timetables aren't really worth the paper they're written on because the buses won't run on time. People won't be able to rely on them and people won't use public transport and will end up with more traffic and more congestion. But did they, and did they not use, uh, did they walk the route? I believe they didn't. Did they actually come down and study each of the routes? Did they use old maps, for instance, things like that? No, what they said to me they've done is that they've, they've used Ordnance Survey Ireland maps and that as part of the public consultation, which is ongoing for the next couple of months, they're going to do even more detailed planning using their, and they're going to do their own maps. 
as the process evolves. They have walked some of the routes. Um, I know for a fact that the Deputy Chief Executive Hugh Cregan walked along Harbourview Road in Holly Hill where there's dozens of houses up there facing the prospect of, of a CPO. Uh, but he told me that they have NTA staff in Cork who have cycled all of the routes. So they would be familiar with, uh, with all of the routes. And I think they're only going to be becoming more familiar with them as opposition, these proposals okay. kind of bills over the coming months. So looking at the opposition then, one person that I imagine isn't opposed to it is the city manager because I've seen photographs of her standing with the plans and in front of backdrops smiling with members of Bus Connect and NTA. But councillors are very much against it, aren't they? I think Terry Shannon recently described it as a 600 million euro mallet being used to crack a nut yeah, Terry has described some of the proposals as bonkers and um, he was joined by his six other uh, Fianna Fáil colleagues on Friday. They've submitted a motion which actually comes up at tonight's City Council meeting where they're calling for all of these initial proposals to be rejected. And They've also been very critical of how the NTA has handled the communications and the engagements. Uh, with residents, particularly those who are set to be directly impacted. Uh, now, obviously, the Green Party uh, are, are in support of the proposals. Um, but now, I suppose it's important to say that the Green Party as well has been critical of how the NTA has engaged. And they will say that the NTA needs to do a lot more to engage with residents and to, as they put it, to, to bring people with them on the journey to a better uh, a better future, and, a better city yeah. with a better bus system. And on just that journey that you mentioned, in the examiner this morning you say that Cork, metropolitan area, has over 305,000 people who make 820,000 trips every day. 74% of those trips are in a car, 20% are walking, 5% on buses and 1% on bikes. So the 5% on buses and the 1% on bikes, they're the ones that they want to increase at the expense of people sitting in cars, isn't it? That's it in a nutshell, Neil. Yeah, um, I, I had to pop into the office last week uh, and I left here in Ballancolic, uh, dropped kids to school on the way and uh, to get from Ballancolic to Blackpool took the guts of an hour and that journey was taking me about a half an hour uh, maybe four or five years ago Um, the traffic has been really bad in the city for the last couple of months Um, and you can see from those statistics you know just just 5% of people are are using public transport and I've spoken to bus users for this series that we're running in the examiner for the next two days who say that more people they believe would take the bus if you could rely on the bus the buses are stuck in traffic yeah, um, I, I know. the timetable is a work of fiction in many cases buses don't show up when they're supposed to uh, they're either 20 minutes late or some in some cases they don't show up at all and the ambition here of this plan is to uh, increase the priority for bus and bike uh, so that we're a little less reliant on cars and the hope is that if you can rely on the bus service that you'll use it more and there'll be less cars on the streets but it's how we get there is the problem. Yeah, but that's fine. Let's say, okay, you make a strong argument for buses, but 112 kilometres of cycling with the Irish climate, they're asking people to cycle on cycle lanes to and from work and school, dark mornings, rain, wind, frost, ice. Come on, we're, I, I, we're, we're about 50 I, I, years too soon on this. I, I get you, Neil, and I, you know, I've any anybody who's got a kid going to school and feels the weight of their school bag. I don't know what I let a kid up on a bike uh, with a heavy school bag, but these are all th- 
the cyclists that I've spoken to over the last two weeks in particular have all said to me that if you build the infrastructure and if you build it so that it's safe and segregated, more people will cycle. And I think we've seen that actually in the city over the last two and a half years, particularly in the response to COVID when they put in more bike lanes. More and more people are cycling, but the, it, it's, 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 it's coming at the cost of the car. And that's where the tension has arisen. Uh, motorists don't want to give up the space on the road for, for buses and cyclists. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's the consultation that has been engaged in as well, particularly by the NTA over the last couple of weeks. It hasn't been great. It has upset quite a lot of people. Uh, I spoke to one woman who lives in Curra Woods um, and the NTA proposals would see basically half of her garden, her, her drive, half of her garden um, being wiped out for a bus lane. And she says that the thought of that hanging over her for the next couple of months while the NTA decides whether they'll go with the original proposal or whether they'll go with a revised proposal. These are the people, I think, that the Taoiseach was speaking out about on Friday. Just on that point, so, the Taoiseach and uh, Simon Coveney have both come out and they are critical and they're saying what they're proposing now will be very different to what actually will get across the line at the end. Is, is that what Micheál Martin is saying? That they throw the worst case scenario knowing that they will set and settle for less and people will be happy. Is that it? Yeah, I think that might be part of the strategy that they've gone out with the worst possible scenario um, and that they're hoping that they'll get, I don't know, maybe 60 or 70 percent of it over the line. Um, but whatever proposal is is arrived at, um, and I'm told that it will be March or April of next year before the revised plans are out, that whatever is proposed, it is going to entail pain for some people. It's going to entail sacrifice on the part of motorists who are going to have to live with giving up part of the road for buses and cars, but that the ultimate goal for all of this is to uh, deliver infrastructure that will future-proof the city, that will minimise traffic congestion, that will help. And I suppose there's an important point here too, Neil, about climate change, uh, that we set ourselves very ambitious climate change targets and that we're trying to hit some of them by 2030, which isn't that far away. And that if we're going to stand any chance of hitting those climate targets for emissions, mm. we have to reduce the reliance on the car. And mm. the best way to do that, as far as the NTA concerned, is concerned, is to get people onto buses and onto bikes. Yeah, many people are saying as a response to that, not in my backyard. Let's, let's see what happens then. Uh, can I just ask you, maybe a 60-second version, because that's all I've got time for. Um, <laughs> you'll remember February 2016 when the sod was turned on the Cork Event Centre you've um, become the honorary go-to guy with regards to this story we're 57 million now in the hole for this are we? Well there's 57 million euro ring, fren- ring, ring fenced for it Neil um, none of it has been spent yet um, <laughs> because not a single brick as I said to you on several occasions not a single brick on the event centre project has been laid to date. Um, I'm expecting actually an update, another update uh, on the event centre project at tonight's City Council meeting. I, I wouldn't be holding my breath, Neil. What's holding it up, do you think? Um, well, I get the sense that obviously COVID was a huge disruption for this project. Um, and I think the difficulties it faces now are, are inflation, construction inflation. I think, you know, the people involved in this BAM and Live Nation tendered six or seven years ago for this project when they reckoned it would cost X amount of money. That's now a multiple of what they tendered for. And, um, you know, yes, the state funding has increased over the years, but it hasn't increased for the last uh, year and a half. 
and I think its costs now are going to be what continues to delay this project. Do you think that the next thing we'll see here is an increase in costs where perhaps BAM and Live Nation will look for additional funding then? They might, Neil, but I don't think they'll get a good reception. Okay. And do you think that construction will start because we are pretty much in quarter four of 2022? Uh, because that was one of the articles I read from yourself and Daniel McConnell recently, that construction on the project is expected to commence in Q4. That's now. That's not. It's not going to happen this year, though, is it? In a, in a word, Neil, no. Okay. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Another, another deadline missed, but sure, would you be surprised? No. What else is new? Oh, and thanks for all of the updates. Do appreciate it. Um, with regards to the Convention Centre, who knows? Own English with the Irish Examiner has a very extensive article in today's newspaper on Bus Connect, which drives a wedge between commuters and fearful homeowners, as he says in this morning's Irish Examiner. Text 0868104106. We're back after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork, The Neil Prendeville Show. Double gold award winners at the National IMRO Radio Awards. This is Cork's Red FM. Yeah, you can pick up the phone or you can email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. Thank you to Anne. Just picking up on it's, uh, the green agenda really has a lot to do with Bus Connect or cycle lanes and things like that. And she says, are the Greens actually contributing to inflation? How much electricity is used, as an example, to charge all of these electric cars? Do they not see all of the empty bike lanes and empty buses around Cork? I see it every hour of the day. We're a small dot in Europe. We're expected to save the world in every way. Why don't we just take a look at the amount of fossil fuel that Poland uses to generate power, uh, says Anne, rather than trying to save the world as Irish people in any way we can. You know, we're talking also about housing. I noticed a a story uh, from last week. I don't know whether the lads mentioned it, but one of the ways that people want to deal now with, say, the housing crisis that we have, which is being somewhat fueled by more people wanting to come over here and to work and set up and, and, and uh, you know, raise families here and use the education and health system. And I'm all for all of that. But there's criticism down Mahanway these days because of um, the plans to build some modular homes there. Uh, and they'll go up in a matter of weeks down there, not too far from the Mahan Point shopping centre. Apparently 64 of them are going to be born, born, built in the next few weeks. And by the end of the year, 200 modular homes will be built down there between now and the end of 2022. And they will house refugees. Um, and initially, it will be 250 uh, refugees who are here are coming from uh, from Ukraine. In fact, I was reading in the article, I think it's probably an examiner article, where they were saying that uh, some Ukrainian children are already enrolled in the local school down in Mahan. And it's densely populated as it is, according to some of the residents that were interviewed for the Liz Dunphy article. Uh, one woman says, I don't think it's good. A lot of people here are living with their own parents because they can't get a house and it's not fair. We've got nothing against refugees. It's the government that aren't managing this well. Many people feel, how in the name of God can they all of a sudden then come up with 200 modular homes between now and Christmas time when people in the area have been begging for homes all over the city and suburbs, not just Mahan, for years and years. So 200 will be delivered before the end of the year. Uh, And another 300 units will be rolled out across the country in January and February. And modular homes, I dealt with this on air, 
Um, and these ones will accommodate primarily women and children fleeing the horror of war in Ukraine. So that's a story out of Mahan over the past couple of days. Not everybody happy with it down in that neck of the woods. Text 0868104106. Just going back uh, to issues. Um, and of course, nobody actually knows how the explosion ca- was caused in Chrysler. Um, it would appear to be gas. Probably, they say, from an apartment as opposed to anything to do with a petrol station. But Jim was suggesting, will we learn anything from it where developments could be built or are being built or people live in houses and apartments that are too close to petrol stations? That prompted a call from John Barry. John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And I know, I know we're going back some time in your own case, about, about 50 years. Wasn't that the case? Yeah. You were working for an oil company, I believe, is it? That's right, yeah. Yeah. What happened? Um, I was down in Fitzpatrick's, Kentor, and um, their the big oil stations or the big oil tankers would have to come out that time, and they were called octopuses. They were big. You know, back in the fifties, you like you only had. They're like kind of fifty one thousand five hundred cannons. Oh my God! Big tankers, so big tanks. Yeah, and and then I started building five thousand gallon tankers, huge all together. And I was down in Fitzpatrick's Kentuck on a Saturday morning. And you were about sixteen at the time, I believe. I was, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was playing a match, and I was rock bumped, and I was looking at the clock. So, 12 o'clock, the engine was flying, and, and the driver was over the corner, and he showed it over to me. He said, go up and check there and see what's left in that tanker. They were unloading the tanker oil into yeah, the tanks for the petrol station. It. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 And I put everything together and started up, well, like, and started like uh, it was Friday, and... And this went anywhere. And, what did you uh, did you dip the tank or something? Is it? When I went to dip the tank after about twenty five minutes, when I opened the cap, the fumes that came out would nearly knock you off the tank alone. Right, right. And when I dipped it down, it was a brass rod. And when I dipped down the tank and lifted it up, I clung to an ESB wire. And the top of the tank, it was like a match. Oh, my God. It caught in fire like a shot. So, so I was half clung to the tank. The wire was on fire there because... Um, Fitzpatrick's can't talk that time was in the old place and I suppose it was all old wiring and yeah. everything and yeah. then it didn't properly see it but, but the fumes out of that alone when I lifted up the tank then like, like with the brass rods it kind of flew down the tank you know like it's there it went up Wait, but, but was it an electrical charge? I mean, did you get a shock from the electricity wire? I did, yeah. And it I went did, through your uh, body did, into uh, the brass rod and the... the, the, the I was blown back a small bit, you know, I was blown back. But did the tank and, catch um, fire? Hmm? Did the tank catch fire? 
It's like a furnace. Oh my, was there, so was it a fire or did it result? It clearly yes, did. it was a fire. It was on the, it was uh, on the paper. It was all over the paper. How come it didn't explode? Be, be, because I actually owed it. I took off my course and uh, I was out in the fire from the top of the tanker. You but must have thought you were a goner, though. Still coming, like. And um, by the time I got down off the tank, I jumped off a boat. I suppose it must be 15 feet. I jumped off of that. I discharged the hose. Because the petrol was still going in at that time. And <sighs> Mr. Fitzpatrick himself said after that he locked himself in to the sea. Oh, my God. You must have thought you were a goner, John. I did. I did. I did. I did. I did. I got it off and fried. I was shivering, shaking me because, like, like I was there on my own. The driver was all by the gears where he was supposed to be outside of me. Don't you have and uh, he was with some help there or something, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Was it a big and news story at the time, 50 years ago, was it? Um, Cockman had, uh, had another escape. It should have caught by had another escape. Yeah. So they gave him medals and trophies and they gave him everything and anything. And I wasn't him asked, how was I? Go away, go away. I wasn't even asked to say because I, uh, I was not allowed to speak. But isn't it an amazing thing, though, that people would maybe... Did they change the laws then about how close you could build houses or apartments? They did, they, they, they did, they did, they did. And, and uh, one of the first they closed was a garage inside, uh, opposite the Imperial Hotel inside in town, was Crosses. Where was that? Was it on the mall? Yeah, on the mall. Crosses had a big garage there. Yeah. And then over in Sullivan's Key, they had another garage there. And then up by the Western Road, they had Mad Duggins. It turned out to be Green Seal Stamps after. Yeah, there were petro- There was a petrol station on Washington Street. Yeah, yeah, Mad Duggins owned that. Yeah. And then up on top of the road from that, you had the OK garages. I remember them. But in between that, where the hotel is, Shell had a garage there, and they had to close them all, whatever law that came in. And after a couple of years, I, I kind of questioned it, and I, I was told by management that they don't owe anyone a living. They're paying for the services that we are providing. Yeah. And, and that there was a law after coming in that you have to be so many... Like, say, uh, half a mile from the nearest... Yeah, I was going to say, uh, maybe 500 yards or something. But, but yeah, it's very yeah, true, actually, yeah. because it, just thinking as you're talking, I, I remember years ago there were petrol stations in the city. There, there aren't any now. There will be all the no. outskirts. The closest one would be just at the start of the South Link, for instance. You know what I mean? That's right, yeah. yeah. You wouldn't be able to get petrol now in an inbuilt city. No. Yeah, and that... And, and that wasn't the case many years ago because there were petrol stations dotted all over oh, the place. Oh, no, that, that's why there I questioned this and I questioned it years after until I retired and 
So the petrol stations just had to close. They had no say in the matter. None whatsoever. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And I, uh, I was saying about loyalty. Loyalty doesn't come in. Like he said, yeah, but there is some argument to be made that you wouldn't have a petrol station near an apartment complex with maybe 200 apartments in it, for instance. No, like, you see, like, like, what would be interesting is, like, they've got this. Uh, I'm praying for all those people that were killed but in Chrysler yeah. but for to make a long story short when did they get the last load of petrol you know see I don't I don't think it had anything to do I mean I don't want to preempt an investigation yeah, 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 more yeah, likely to be like, gas uh, see with the vapour coming out in the petrol all the time you know the vapour will come out yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and uh, if you like the match or anything if you like that that's Ave, if you had a faulty gas or anything, I tell you. You'd know about it. Okay. You know about it, I tell you. Okay, truth. okay. Lucky to be alive 50 years later. Thank you, John Barry. Uh, talking of Creasley, actually, I wanted to say thank you to Norma Farrelly, who sent me a beautiful poem from Lower Friars Walk down Ballyfee Hanway. She says, Ten lives taken in the blink of an eye. Many more injured, and we ask God why. A village left with broken hearts, families' lives ripped apart. We know not the hour that God's call, that God calls us home, so unexpected with no time to phone. A hug or a message just to say goodbye. God doesn't have to explain the reasons why. Some are here for only a short few years, and their leaving leaves lots of tears. May all those injured regain full health. For those that lost loved ones, God give them strength. For all the responders who fought through the night, you're amazing people who fought the good fight. You tried your best to the very end. For that, we thank you and best wishes we send. And that was written by Norma Farrelly. Thanks for sharing it, uh, Norma. A lot of texts on Chrysler. Frank says, it puts everyday problems into perspective. Little girl going into a shop on a Friday afternoon with her daddy to buy her mammy a birthday cake for her birthday that weekend. Neither she nor her dad uh, ever got home. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. Somebody wondering as to whether actually anybody from Bus Connector, the NTA, actually cycled anywhere to um, advance their plans in Cork, particularly our many hills. Actually, others were talking then when I was chatting with Owen English about traffic in the city. There's an awful lot of roadworks going on in the city. I mean, you see all of the carry on on Patrick's Key, for instance. The traffic's gone mad the last few weeks. I understand the normal rush like school runs, but I'm coming from Dunamore to Mahan for work. It takes me over an hour each way to and from work because they're working on every road in the city. No matter where you go in the city, there are works going on. The tunnel is down to one lane all week. Why can't they do all of these road works 24-7 and work through the night? Um, and thank you to those that got in touch talking about some sort of an incident this morning at the Southgate Bridge. Somebody in the water, they believe, and traffic has been stopped completely by it. Um, it's closer, actually, to the bridge by the Flying Enterprise. You might want to avoid it. It may well have been sorted. I hope that uh, nobody has been seriously injured and that whoever was in the water was saved. Text 0868104106. And it beggars belief then, and you can kind of understand why they say they have to build modular homes uh, with the issue down in Mahan that um, you know, there will be 
200 in the um, oh, well, 64 in the coming weeks and 200 more by the end of the year. And this, you know, modular, mod, 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 modular homes go up quite quickly, actually. And I spoke to the manufacturer of modular homes in Cork some weeks ago. They're prefabricated dwellings, but they all have independent rooms and in you have bedrooms, you have a front room, you have a kitchen. Um, a lot of the time they could come fully finished and fitted. They're all pre-wired and everything. They've got all of the different heating needs and everything else like that. Uh, so, I mean... They ain't going to be as good as, um, say, for instance, a three-bedroom semi-D or what have you. But uh, they're certainly an awful lot cheaper and much faster to build. One of the reasons that we're talking about needing to build them was because of the constant moving of people from... Emer- These would be Ukrainian refugees primarily. People who are moving from emergency accommodation to a hotel, from a hotel to student accommodation, back to the hotel again. It's been described as traumatizing for refugees and they need stability of accommodation so that people will be able to find jobs, children can go to school and benefit from being part of Irish society. But it comes as a price and the price is that people who are looking for a home can't get them but yet the government can all of a sudden decide very quickly, build modular homes. I'm not sure it would be a solution long term for Irish people but wouldn't be a, it would be a pretty handy stopgap, wouldn't it? particularly, say, for people uh, who are about to lose their home or be evicted. I'm not suggesting that Joan in Ross Carberry or Caroline in Skull should move into modular homes, but they certainly will be moving out of the homes that they're in. Uh, Joan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I believe you've been evicted twice in the past 10 years, is it, from rental properties? That's right, yeah. And, and, And in both cases, the landlord was, what, selling or needed the property back? Yeah, he just needed the they needed the property for a family member moving in. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And and is that your predicament now? Is it that you've got notice to quit again? Yeah, I've noticed now to quit again in November. And I've, I've been here now in this property now five years, and the last property I was in five years as well. Right. And the last so time that you had to move was how long ago? 2017, five okay. years ago. And did you have a problem finding somewhere else in 2017? Yeah, I had an awful job. Such a job I had trying to find a house. I was I, I nearly went mental trying to get a house. It was impossible. But the clock is ticking now. Um, it is. And it's going to be it even is. harder than five years ago. Yeah, oh, it is. It is impossible because the price of houses now are, you'll be paying 1500 a month maximum for a house out there. I, I'm on death every day looking for houses. Well, I'm on the council list, council housing list. How long? I'm on it nine years. Okay. And you, you're a single mom, I think, is that right? With a daughter? That's going right. To, is she, is she, yeah. she's, is she in college? She's in college, yes, it's her third year. In UCC? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. H- how are you doing on the list all those years? Did you ever get an offer? No, never got an offer. I'm after, I, I get a text every week from CBL and I'm after, I don't know how many times I'm after applying for houses, but they won't give me a three bedroom because there's only two of us there. Right, right. And, and do, do any two beds come up then on the list? They do. Some very seldom, but this, they're after building actually a two bedroom now in Dememwe. Yeah. And there's a one bedroom, a two bedroom after up in County so I'm after applying for them. I'm just, waiting patiently so would I be offered any one of them yes and do you know because you were saying to the lads that you know of others on the list shorter who possibly wouldn't have as much need as you is it that's right yeah 
I know, you... I know, I know of one single man, and he got a three-bedroom house. I don't, I don't know how what did that come about. A, a man on his own would get a three-bedroom yeah, council house. Man, yeah. He's got a three-bedroom house, but I won't stay away. But... No, because that wouldn't be wouldn't be fair on that individual. But I think sometimes that happens if, for instance, you might have some people. Some people get a three-bedroom, although they might be living on their own. They may be separated from their partner, and they might have their children staying at the weekend. I think that can be one of the reasons for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, they told me in the council office that I'm not entitled to a three-bedroom because there's only myself and my daughter. But they have told you you're entitled to a two-bedroom. A two-bedroom. And have you asked them why they give out a three-bedroom to a single man then? I didn't. I didn't ask them that, no. Yeah, yeah. And have you no. seen people moving into the corp, the county council properties? No, they're not allocated yet because I went to the council office last week and I just asked them when are they going to be allocated and they said they don't know. They said there's a hold-up in the ones in the member. No, I just I thought I thought you had said that you. It makes you upset watching others get houses before you, um, with fairly oh, yes. decent cars parked in the driveway. That's right. Yeah, yeah. there's houses next to me here. Was it two years ago? And they all seem to have two big cars each. And they, well, there were three bedrooms. I tried for one of them, but I got I got none in it. So, it, it, like, it vexes because because they have. They have two big cars each in each family. Yeah. And two or three, two or three Polish yeah. families got houses, right? Yeah. 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 But there is entitled, you see, whether 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 you like it or not, there there is entitled to be on the list as anybody else, I suppose, if they're if they're living here, you know. Oh, I know that. Not not yeah. to not to jump a list, though. Yeah. But anyway. I'm on the list now with nine years and I'm hoping because I'm going to be, I'm up the wall. I'm just, my head is deteriorating because I'm not sleeping or eating with worry because I said, where am I going to go come November? At this stage in your life, no disrespect. It's not a worry that you should have. Oh. Yeah, but I said, where am I going to go? Like, yeah, yeah. Like the time is moving on for me and I've only about seven weeks left and nowhere to go. And the hassle of moving, like I'm getting to all now for all this. I said I'm on the. This is my second time now moving, and you know, said the the hassle of moving house is is unreal. You don't want to have to be presenting as homeless, for instance. Oh yeah, I don't know. It's looking that way at the moment for me, you know, because I've I've nowhere to go because I'm not being offered a council house and. And are they aware? And, and, are they aware down west along that uh, it's November twenty fifth? You have to be out. Yeah, oh, geez, yeah. I'm after going to him several times and remind him, like. So one thing's for sure, you're not looking forward to Christmas in any way, shape, or form. I can oh tell you. Oh my that. God, no! It's on near Christmas. It's just a month before Christmas. And you have some dark months ahead of worry. I have, I have, and I, I think Christmas is it a month I hate anyway because my mother died suddenly at Christmas. So I don't look forward to Christmas anymore. And would you be would you be entitled to HAP? Oh yes, I have. I, I, at where the house I'm staying at the moment, I'm I'm getting the HAP scheme. But there's a lot of houses that I've tried, and they don't accept HAP. And what do they say when do they ask you of your HAP contribution? Yeah. Do they actually advertise them. no HAP? They don't. No, they don't advertise it. I know. They don't say that. But they do ask. 
They do ask you. And when you say that you have a HAP contribution, what do they say then? Oh, they said, we don't. We don't do it. They said, we, do, we, we won't accept HAP. That's what they tell me. No like reason given. Houses. No. Even though it's guaranteed money? Oh, it is. Yeah. 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 So what are you, what what are you gonna what are you gonna do? I mean, it's like it's it's, yeah, it's a problem that's so prevalent for many people like you. Oh, geez, a lot of people in West Cork. There are there's a lot of people in my situation. It's an awful worry, like coming up to Christmas and everything. Such a time of the year, didn't they? And I I, I asked the landlord, could I not extend it to next May when my daughter's finished her tour during college? No way, that's allow me to stay on for another few months. They're actually moving back into the house themselves, I believe. Is that the case? Yes, where it is a family member belong yeah. to the landlord's I wife. Know, I know, I won't, yeah. I won't drill into that, but an awful lot of landlords are leaving the market for various different reasons. Yeah, yeah. No, because it's awful when you're renting a private house because you know in the day will come that you'll have to get out. I know, I know. You're yeah, always living with uncertainty, I know. Yeah. yeah, and if I had a council house, I'd be I'd be secure in it for the rest of my life. But are there many houses down along where you are that are actually locked up and closed and nobody living in them? Oh, there is. There's an awful lot of houses, and the council could buy them. There is an awful lot of houses idle. It's an awful shame, isn't it? When so yes. many people are looking for somewhere to live and they see so many just closed and locked up and just sitting there. Yeah, oh, it's awful. It's awful. There's an awful lot of houses locked up and... To I hope something comes up for you. I really do, Joan. You never know who yeah. might be listening. They might have something down there. They might get in touch if there's something that might suit, okay? Yeah, okay. Thanks, Neil. Listen, thank you for taking the call. I know it's very personal <coughs> to you. Caroline. Yes, hello there. So from Ross Carberry down to a beautiful skull. Good morning to you. Good morning to you, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Um, but I'm not in the predicament you find yourself in. In your no. 70s, yourself and your husband, I believe. We are. I'm 72. My husband is 77. And did you come um, back to Ireland from the States about a decade ago? We did, we did, because the pension fund collapsed over there. It, um, our, we had our money in a private pension fund, which went AWOL. And um, so after the crash, you know, 2009, I had lived in Ireland previously and owned a home here. So I said to my husband, we've just got to get back. So did, did you lose all of your pension? I hate to dwell on it, but were you wiped out? Yes, we were wiped out um, because we'd only had the pension fund for 12 years. If you had it for more than 20 years, you could put in a claim. It was ludicrous. Isn't that very unfair? Isn't it terrible to pick a number like that? I know. So it was, it's history in our minds now. You know, know. we're confronting other things, but that was the reasoning behind coming over. And do you have, um, do you have family? Or are you originally from West Cork or what? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm an Irish citizen. Um, my father was Irish, and um, my husband is now an Irish citizen. He took that out ten years ago as well. So um, yeah, my my family was from here, you know. So but you said you had a house here, did you? I did. I owned I owned a, well, it was an apartment. I owned an apartment in the nineties in Kinsale many years ago. A uh, big mistake to sell that one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that's water under the bridge now. So it's you... all under the bridge. Yeah. But um, so, of course, when we got back, we thought we could try and buy. But sadly, um, 
my health struck again. I have a, a form of cancer called uh, lymph syndrome, which can appear anywhere in your body. And it hit me when I got back here. I think it was the stress brings it on sometimes. I oh, think. dear. So the money just, what we had to put deposits on houses just was gobbled up because you can't get private medical for three years. You know, you can't make claims. So that was another one. Um, but, you know, the goalposts just kept moving and moving and the ever-increasing prices of houses. We looked at each other and said, that's it, we're just going to have to rent and be done with it. So that's what we've been doing all these years. Your money actually was whittled away, wasn't it, over time yeah. because of numerous yeah, operations. I think you, yeah. you, did, you even did cross-border um, surgery did. in Spain, didn't you? I did that in August of this year. I did that. And, uh, you know, it just... It just gobbles it up. I mean, you don't have a lot of choice, you know. Um, How's your health now? It's okay. It's okay. This situation we've got ourselves in hasn't helped any kind of recovery because I only got back in August. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, to be told that we need to vacate the house because they have a family member in Dublin coming down to build. And... They've got these archaic building laws whereby they have to live on the, in the farmhouse to be able to build on the property. So uh, in fairness to the family, that's the situation they're in. You're, you know? in, the, you're in the farmhouse, are you? Uh, we are. Have to go for them to move in so that they can then build yeah. on the property. Yeah, yeah. So due to all these, as I say, they really are archaic building regs, you know, but... And they were going to build and and they can't build unless they live in the house. So we have to get out, basically. And what are you um, going to do next, you and your husband? Well, we're very incredibly lucky. We've built up such good friends locally here. Um, and I really was quite proactive. I put, you know, notes up everywhere in the supermarkets, in the shops. I've done everything possible. I've been down with Ellen, with Michael Collins. He's been hunting for me. We've all been hunting. And yeah. um, our wonderful chap who used to deliver my groceries found us a little cottage um, in Skibbereen. Um, it's tiny and they accept our animals because I have rescue cats because nobody out there. And I, my heart goes out to that woman because it's impossible, Neil. You get on and they're 14, 15, 1600 and they're getting it. So they're getting the 1,600 and they're refusing HAP because they know there's others that will be, you know, not HAP. I don't know what the problem that they have with HAP, incidentally. Do you? No, I don't because it's secure money. Um, I just don't, can't get my head around. Do they they think that somebody who has HAP isn't really, hasn't got enough financial input in the property and they wouldn't respect it or something or trash it or something? Yeah, Yeah, I think think that's pretty, pretty much the case. And, you know, what they don't realize is people in our sort of age group are very unlikely to trash your house, especially those of us that have owned our own homes and know how hard it is to get mortgages um, and have to pay it off, you know. Um, And I think that's the problem. But I also think the problem is that the rentals, because I am led to believe that the landlords pay something around 45 or 50%. Huh? Yeah, you're breaking up a little bit if you can move around. And that's why many landlords are saying that the vast majority of properties that are coming up on the market for sale now are landlords mm-hmm. exiting the market 
Um, but are you sorted I, now with the little the little cottage? I, I am. I am. Um, by some miracle, I mean, I'm one of the really lucky ones, Neil, um, because uh, this came up. We went out to see it. The people are wonderful, um, and we're moving on. You know, mid mid November. By the end of November, we'll be out of here, um, hopefully. But um, the uncertainty still hangs over your head in your 70s, yes, that this yes. could happen again, you know? I know, I know. It, this is the biggest worry, of course. But I do believe that if they cap the rental on, in the housing market and drop this tax, you know, on Airbnb, they pay 20%. So down in West Cork, it's, it's a no-brainer. They rent it out for 20 weeks or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, they pay 20%. Uh, and then the house stands empty for another six months of the year. And they're getting top dollar for it in the months that they're And they're, they're being getting rent. top, absolutely. But I mean, if they if they cut the, the tax rate for the landlords and developers that are renting, if you, I mean, common sense tells you 52 weeks in a year, if you average that out over a 20-week, say, period of, of, of holiday let, you know, they would get... A better income and a yes. steady income. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you were to go you on know, to Daft any time, say now, you'll probably find only a trickle of houses for mm-hmm. rent, but you will find many, many hundreds in the Cork area on Airbnb. We need to talk more about the elderly, like your good self, not without mm-hmm. sounding ageist about it, uh, who find themselves in a predicament of homelessness. Yes. It's, well, you know, I don't know that... Um, there should be now a situation where they're building houses for over 60s that have independent rentals. You know, those of us that can look after ourselves um, rather than become a burden to the HSC for elderly care, because that's where we're all going to end up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the taxpayer's going to have a bigger burden on them, you know? So they've got to come up with some kind of scheme where they can make independent rentals people over I know many people over okay. okay. it's not a great phone line but we got through it together I, I'm, I'm delighted that you have some relief and some consistency going forward in your in your little in your little how cottage long is it gonna last but how long will question. it last I know okay alright well thank you for taking the call do appreciate it thanks mind yourself Caroline I want to talk to Michael Collins TD down west along just on the point um, of maybe a, f- a forgotten demographic and that is the elderly who are being forced or are, are facing um eviction themselves. Michael, good morning. Is it is is it is it commonplace? It is. Uh, it's on the rise, uh, big time. Uh, we find that in our office. You know, I, I'm almost full-time dedicated member of staff towards housing, um, which is predominantly a, a council issue, but it's a huge issue uh, in my own constituency. But can you make any difference as a West Cork TD to people on a housing list, or do they just have to sit there on the list and wait? Well, we certainly will be pleading with the with the council, you know, to try and see when, when if if an available or a suitable house comes up. Especially, it's difficult to get two beds. But if a two bed comes up, you know, for someone like Sheila and, and Caroline, we'd be making a very very strong plea with the council and 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 the other, you know, there's there's also the the homeless uh, society there. They're they're helping us to make sure that these people can at least be uh, brought up the level. Sheila spoke there about. In nine years, you know, social housing. Yeah. That's well, let me ask you about that because your your whole life in, in politics, and of course, all politics is local. Is is the housing list, whether it's the city or in your case the county, transparent, fair to everybody? 
I think, I think first of all, I'd say the housing staff are, are under immense pressure. Uh, I do sympathise with them because everybody that knocks on their door, rings them, calls into them in County, is in West Cork, are under a, a severe pressure. And everybody has a, a genuine sad story. So it must be very difficult for them to define which is the worst. Uh, but in this situation, the, these people are, are, are becoming homeless. And there's many, many more. That's only just uh, two that, you know, that in fairness, you know, are willing to come forward and speak uh, about I, it. I, I don't know about the transparency side of it. I'll be honest with you, because, I mean, we can clean, we can do our best. But I don't know who's, um, who's the powers that be that ends up handing the houses out uh, to the ind- individual. Right. Because sometimes I, I scratch the back of my head and I go... Personal ten years, and I heard of someone that's two years yeah. there, and, yeah. and I got a, got a house, and then, you know, obviously I may not know the person who got the house, uh, I may, but I sometimes I do question it, but not all the times when I do question it, sometimes I have to be honest, it's it, it could do it being a little bit more transparent and a little bit more, and the only way these. No, like I'm trying to, to work out: do do special circumstances dictate? Um, regardless of where you are on a list, you know, five years, eight years, nine years, ten years, that special circumstances mean that the time you're on a list is irrelevant. Um, it, it's it's your needs transcend somebody who's been on the list shorter than you. Absolutely. Uh, time doesn't really uh, yeah. okay. play a big role in the whole thing. Uh, at this present time, I find that there's an awful lot of landlords selling houses um, and, and, you know, you have a situation there where the families are moving back into houses, but landlords are leaving the market, which is very, very serious. And not all, not all of these people are people that own 10 and 12 houses. Some of these people just have a second home. Well, they're home. private. I, I was specifically dealing with, say, for instance, council houses where people are saying, I know. you know, I'm 10 years on a list and I saw some fella in there and he's in a three bedroom on his own, as one of the girls just said there. Where's the fairness in that? What would be the reason behind that? Well, I, it's very rarely I see that happening now, I'll be honest with you. Uh, you, you know, when people come into me, I, 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 the first thing I'll find out is, are you living on your own? Or, uh, is there someone with you? So then all of a sudden you, you establish that they're suitable for a two-bed. Very, very rarely have I ever seen anybody that should um, uh, that's suitable for a, a single person or a, a couple get a three-bed. It's very rare. And if it was, it would maybe be because of an extreme circumstance, but uh, I'd, have to, I'd have to go investigate. You, you know, I know... I know categorically cases that can be proved where individuals have got three bedroom houses because they might be separated and have visitation rights with their children at the weekends, for instance. Yeah, you see, people maybe sometimes don't realise the, the circumstances if they have, if they have, um, we'll say, a right to have their children uh, visit them and stay with them for so many days a week. Uh, even though that person might be single, they, they would be entitled to a three bed if we say they had three children, or you know. Um, so, like, there is different circumstances that people mightn't see or mightn't understand, but the circumstances are in paper that the person is entitled to, to have their their children stay visit okay. stay with them and have that and have them rights uh, to the court of law if they can prove that to the council where well, they're entitled to a, um, a three bed. But in the in the situation where a single person is getting a three bed for uh, they certainly would have had. Um, the legal reason for, for to get it. I mean, does it make a difference if you if you're constantly on the council's case that you're literally on it every day or twice a week that you're beating down the door? You know, the, as in the, you know, the the squeaky wheel gets the oil kind of thing. I don't think so because you see, what happens is on the age of sympathies with the staff, they're burnt. They're very, very important because there's a lot of very legitimate and genuine cases coming before them and they're 
fight you. They've only got so much in front of them to, to hand out when their when their uh, houses are suitable. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I had a person got, got a house not so long ago down in Kinsale. As I felt, we got the house and the person refused the house. So there's a lot of frustration there too. Oh, that doesn't happen too often, but it was damn frustrating for me. And to be honest with you, I wash my hands of that situation. But if somebody can. refuses a perfectly good property, surely they should be taken off the list. They are too for a certain period of time, uh, but like it's most frustrating to be quite honest with you. Because I'd be so happy when we we'd find out the same as the person themselves find out that they've got a house and a home and that they've been started. And you know, you I, see I, that I frustrates really, me like, and anybody listening. And it also it's as frustrating as somebody who doesn't bother turning up for a hospital appointment. Doesn't bother, yeah. and some people yeah. don't bother two th- two or three times. They should be taken off and, hospital lists as well. They're just and, time wasters. Yeah. And then you have people like Sheila there um, who absolutely desperately need a home and would love to get it, get that opportunity, get that home, and is being overlooked because somebody else, you know, has their name on a list that's, that's not as interesting. But again, that's only in a small percentage of cases, I accept. Um, I just think that the, there's going to have to be, a, you know, they're saying housing for all needs. Housing is not for all. And, and I, I certainly would like to have any politician um, or any uh, minister come to my offices and, and see and the amount of people that come to me every weekend pleading with me, can you get me house? And frustrated with me, of course, that it's not, I'm not delivering or, or maybe others that they're going to are not delivering. But it is, it is a very, very difficult task. And it's those that are visiting you can be quite elderly. Well, the trend is going that way. You see, it looks to me as if a lot of landlords are selling and getting out. And that means people could have been in a house three, four, five, six, seven years and quite happy. Not asking to go anywhere. You know, when they weren't getting the council house, they weren't going any further, quite happy, settled in that home. And then, bang, decision is to sell. And all of a sudden, that person is 55, 60, 65, 70, 75. Now, I mean... Where's the 70, 75-year-old supposed to go in, in the circumstances where they won't be housed by the council and they can't get a private... Do they go into, do they present as homeless? I, I, yeah, well, I was 78-year-old uh, recently. And, and I mean, for the first time, we were filling a social housing farm with a 78-year-old. Like, it's very unfair. A, re- a recovering cancer victim as well. Uh, so it's, it's, it's desperately frustrating, des- desperately upsetting for them people. And you heard Caroline's story. She was, all, you know, sick. Uh, and has had surgery and whatever. And when she came home, this was before her, which... You know, the person on the house feel that they had a common right to do that. It's not being rude or nasty, but, you know, it's, it's shocking for the likes of Caroline. It's shocking for the likes of Sheila. And Sheila wor- worries that she can't sleep. I, I find, you know, that hard, hard to accept myself. And we're trying desperately, desperately to get this across the line for Sheila that, the, you know, the council understands the okay. urgency. They yeah. do understand that. And homelessness understands the urgency of the situation. But, you know, we still have a bit to go. What about the mo- just finally for you go? What about the the modular home avenue? You say with the different routes to go down in in Mahan, not too far from the shopping centre. Now they will build two hundred modular homes between now and Christmas. Very very quickly built. Um, they're not ideal, but they're not too bad. Yeah, but you know, if you're you know, I suppose everybody would like to have their own home. You know where they they have a home for the rest of their life. Neil, you know, and some people deserve that right. You know, and 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 fall, fall maybe in difficult circumstances, but a home is so important. The modular home wouldn't be the most ideal situation. Maybe in a in a situation where people are homeless in the city, maybe something like that. But surely, be to God, we can look. I think we should need to be looking at social housing. We're looking. We uh, the green light got for uh, fourteen houses in in Skull. 
maybe the next 12 months for people over 55 ah, years. Ah, sure, 14 is only a drop in the ocean. That's not going to solve. There it is, but if we can start that in some place like Skull, it, it's happened, they have it in Bendon, they have it in, in Ross Carby, in Coke, you know, kind of a social housing uh, situation. But um, for people of an elderly age, they deserve respect. There's a high volume coming to me. Um, and that's what that's what I mentioned yeah. the doll, uh, last week coming to me uh, and are facing homelessness and 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 it's it's, it's quite shocking to be quite honest. All right, thanks, Michael, for the update. Sad and all as it is, Michael Collins, uh, TD Down West. Uh, that article with regards to the uh, modular homes aspect mightn't always work in particular areas because, say, for instance, in Mahan, they're saying in the examiner the site is perched between towering, shiny corporate buildings and older housing estates, so it mightn't look the May West. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now, 0868104106. Red FM. Working, she says, who'd want to work? I know two girls working for the same employer. One works full-time, 40 hours a week. The other uh, girl, these are two girls with the same employer. So one works full-time, 40 hours a week. The other girl works part-time, 20 hours a week. When the girl working part-time gets her money from the government, she takes home more than the girl working full-time and pays almost no tax. This does not include rent allowance, children's allowance, or God knows what else she might get, like a medical card. Wouldn't it make you wonder, why would you bother working full-time? Where's the incentive for full-time workers or any workers at all? That's a good one, isn't it? It's not a laughing matter. One working 40 hours a week and one working 20 hours a week. Who takes home the most money? Text 0868104106 on that one. Lots on, oh, the event centre. One of the big standout texts this morning on this debacle that's going on now for uh, nearly seven years. Just put the damn thing back to tender and let's start all over again. don't have a solution to it. Lots then on uh, traffic and issues involving bus connect, or as Morris calls it, bus disconnect. He calls it bus disconnect because the good people at Churchfield are excluded from any of the new routes. The bus will come down Harbourview Road, turn right to go down Cathedral Road, rather than the regular Churchfield route. So it's the elderly people of Churchfield uh, who are not being considered on this one. Somebody else says, it just makes me so mad that there are cycle lanes everywhere, yet cyclists just refuse to use them. They're still out in the middle of the roads in their twos and threes. It's a joke. It's far from a joke, um, but uh, whatever, at least there's some consolation, isn't there? And the fact that the Taoiseach and the Minister for Foreign Affairs both live in our great parish and neither of them are happy with it. Whether they can hold some sway or not, I do not know. Anyway, text 0868104106 and we'll pick it up after 11. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork, The Neil Prendeville Show. Double gold award winners at the National Imro Radio Awards. This is Cork's Red FM. And I just mentioned with regards to those double gold awards, uh, there were the Imros, the Radio Industries Imros Awards. They're held every year uh, in Lyrath, in the Lyrath in Kilkenny. And there's about, I don't know, six, seven hundred people or so go uh, to the awards. And my team were there and, and lots from Red FM were there. And Red FM won uh, Music Station of the Year again. So well done to all involved in that. Uh, and this program did get two gold awards, um, Speech Broadcaster of the Year. And I'm... Delighted with that. I'm very honoured with that. It's it's a fabulous, it's a fabulous award, speech broadcast for the year. So 
Thank you for that. And also best interactive radio program in Ireland. So that's an incredible achievement for this program. Um, and it brings to five gold awards for the program in recent years, which is terrific. And we're absolutely delighted. And thanks to the team for that. They all travelled up on Friday. Uh, probably... <laughs> Probably stayed up a little bit too late and a bit of a price to be paid on Saturday. But it's good to party, isn't it? And it's good to be recognised. But again, without wanting to sound um, kind of twee about it, it, it really is about the people who are listening to the programme that creates the best interactive radio programme. So it's you guys need to take a bow that listen every single day, that get involved, that pick up the phone, that text, that share stories. That's what interaction is all about. I think talk radio is in a good place now. I think there are some great talk shows right across the country. There was a period years back when talk was not as cool. They said they said as um, you know it is now, and you know things were moving wall to wall music. I think it's a good balance there, and I think talk radio in Ireland is in very in very good hands and. and very much so here in Cork. I think we do the best of it and, and always have because we're great communicators and we're great storytellers. So what I'm saying is thank you to each and every one of you. It's an honour to be here for so long and long may it continue. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 104 106. Red FM. Offbeat Donuts are on board again today on a lighter note. The best call of the morning to start the week will win. I think it'll be an awful lot more than just 12 donuts. Could be north of 15 donuts in the box, but there'll be plenty to feed the whole family. <laughs> start the week on a sugar high, if nothing else. And thank you to Offbeat Donuts, creating circles of obsessions on French Church Street's brand new store, good luck to them. So the best call of the morning, could be something you did at the weekend or a contribution that you're making to the programme this morning by text or by phone. So get in touch, text 0868104106 if you have a story to share or you have an interesting tale to tell from the weekend. You can always pick up the phone, 0818104106. And one one area actually that the talk radio has done very well out of is the change in technology. If you look at, say, this program 30 years ago, there were no smartphones. We never got texts. I just, I can recall, I can even recall almost the day in the week when texts began to figure in a radio program. There was no social media aspect. We didn't have Facebook to work with or Twitter to work with or Instagram or TikToks. It was basically a landline phone. And it reminded me actually, because in the mail this morning, they're saying, that those with, with landlines in the home continue to drop and diminish. I don't have a landline phone anymore. I don't know anybody that I call in their home on a landline anymore. And God knows, I don't think there are any, are there any working public phone boxes even on Leaside anymore. But apparently the figure now, the number of homes with a landline has dropped from 52% in 2019 uh, to just under 40% now. And it will continue to dwindle. But what struck me about that is that that figure to me sounds very high. That 39% of people in Ireland still have a landline in the home. I mean, it's kind of an added expense when you also have a mobile phone, right? Anyway, your thoughts on that? Text 868 Communication. Thank you, Joanne, for holding. Um, your predicament is a difficult one. Good morning to you. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you fine, thank you. You're you're in East Cork, is it? That's correct, yeah. And you sleep in the kitchen on a sofa. Well, it's like a kitchen sitting room. It's one room, you know. Um, yeah, I'm living in a two-bed property with four children. Um, and obviously, I've had to give the bedrooms to the children. So that leaves me with no choice but to sleep on the sofa. So in they the sleep two and two in, a, in doubles or singles, four singles or two doubles or what? Um, 
I have two in a double bed, which is my own bed. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there's two in bunk beds. And you've sacrificed your own night's sleep so that they have a bed to lie their head in. Absolutely, yeah. How long is that going on? Um, I'm currently living like this for two years since my youngest two came out of cot. My God, you mustn't get a decent night's sleep at all. No, not in a long time. And I'm getting like pains in my back and stuff now with having to sleep on the on the sofa, you know. It's, it's, it's not the most comfortable or the most ideal situation. And, and mentally but, as well, it's, it, it wouldn't be great, sure it wouldn't. No, no. And I do suffer with my mental health also. Um, like I've had uh, a lot of loss in my life and suffer with depression. Um, so like this situation isn't ideal for me either because I, know. I can't yeah, yeah. go into a room and close the door and have five minutes to myself. You need a break, don't you? You deserve a break. Yes. Yeah. You need to catch a break. Yeah. And you have a neighbour not too far and you're happy to share yes, that sure. part of the story with me. Is it, what, 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 she has a three bed, is it? Correct, yeah. She's living next door to me. She is a three bedroom house. Um, she's living alone, an older woman. And uh, she approached me a couple of months ago asking would I be interested in doing a mutual swap of properties. Um, and I took a little bit of time to think about it. Um, and I went back to her and I said, look, if that offer still stands, I was like, I I would love to go ahead with it. Okay, so let's look at that. That's She's in a three-bed, this elderly neighbour, on her own, but she can't do you do the stairs anymore, so she's also sleeping on a downstairs sofa. Correct, yeah, yeah. And, like, this is causing her um, severe back pains now because she's sleeping on a recliner chair. And you're in a bungalow. And I'm in a bungalow, bungalow yeah. would suit the elderly neighbour. The three-bedroom would solve your problem. Correct, yeah. Okay. Who owns both of the properties? Um, Cork County Council. So it's a no-brainer to me that they'd flip you very quickly. No? Well, you'd think that, Neil. Um, I got onto them, and I was also onto my local TDs for help. Um, and the council got back to the TDs, not myself, um, and said that it would take months that we both need guard clearance, um, which was already done, um, that there can't be any anti-social behaviour, which there's not. We're both up to date on our rent um, and we are both on the transfer list. And they said it will take months. It says here that the council has been notified, but they say that it could take up to a year. Well, they said months, new year. They didn't specify a a date, a, a month anything and I was like I questioned it and I was like to be honest with you I was like I've had been guarded vetted before for work and stuff um, and it takes four weeks does anybody getting does anybody do does anybody know whether somebody on a housing list that is given a home by Cork City Council or Cork County Council does everybody have to be guarded vetted yes yeah okay and what if you had a criminal record well, I presume depending on what it was, I, I don't know. Okay. You don't have any of that, not, clearly. And you, no. You, no, no. You're, you, you pay your contribution of the rent weekly or monthly. Absolutely. I do it weekly, what, direct debit. Yeah. What's the delay here? Um, to be honest with you, I don't honestly know. I thought myself that it would be a straightforward sign on the dotted line of the Cork, um, swap over the leases, um, but that's not the case. So I presume it's the clerical side of the council. That would hold up. There's the no worry that she, your elderly neighbour, will be reallocated somewhere else, and that you won't get the three bed. Is there? Does that play on your mind? It does. Yeah, 
like the only way that that would happen is she is bidding on properties and myself as well bidding on properties. We were told to keep bidding on properties, but it just makes sense for us to just swap. You, you stay know, in the same locality, you stay in the same neighbourhood, children going to yeah. school in the same place. Yeah. It, it w- like, would be two people off the list. Distance. Like this lady doesn't drive. Um, and so like she has her doctor in town. She has, she's very religious. So she has her church in town. Her family is around to help her. You know, um, for me, I don't drive. So it's central for me and my kids to go to school for shopping, etc. Um, and when I was talking to my counsellor, the TD, um, and that day, or, or the council, I can't even remember. And I was yeah, I know, so you're adult from it, yeah. yeah. Um, they said to me, I might have no choice but to move outside of the town that I'm in, um, somewhere on a bus or a train route. Um, and I was like, how can I do that with my kids in school? I was like, you know, have you listened to the news? Have you been reading the papers? There's no school bus places for children. So how will I get my children to school? That's you know, not a, that's that's not outside. an issue for them, is it? They they don't no, yeah, they, they don't, don't care. So. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's just like as I said, for something that we thought would be so simple to do, that could happen quite quickly. Um, exactly. I'm, I'm hearing that staff in housing in the city and the council are absolutely burned out, um, and a lot of them, unfortunately for them take their work home and they worry and they stress and they're very anxious exactly, about their job. Exactly, and that's not fair on them either. Yeah, but, and I'm not suggesting for a moment that they're sitting on their hands, but there's probably so much red tape and bureaucracy involved and in even the simplest things within Irish government departments that that's why things take so long. You wouldn't yeah. consider just swapping, no? Well, like, let's say, for instance, we just said, right, tomorrow we're swapping houses. Like, we could get into trouble for that. Of course you You know what I mean? And we could be probably kicked out. And then what do we do? She's homeless, I'm homeless. Yeah. And you you don't want to be kicking up too much of a fuss for fear that they don't agree to the swap either, yeah? Yeah, but it's just like, as I said, they have, I went online now, just did a little bit of research. There's loads of pages on Facebook and online about swapping council houses. So they encourage people to get on and swap. Okay, yeah. Okay, but you've reg- you've registered the swap with them. They're aware of it. So of- yeah. officially, you're doing what they've asked you to do. So they cannot back out of that now. I don't know. It would be ideal for all concerned. Absolutely. And like my older son is in Leaving Search. And like I have to pay 120 euros for him to study because he can't study at home because there's no space. Well, and like he he's go? under a lot he- of pressure. So where does he go that it costs you that money? School. Study hall in school. And the money? Do you have to pay for that? Absolutely, yeah. For the facility of studying in the school? Yeah. And that's only for a couple of weeks. So you do it for a couple of weeks, it's 120 euros. Then obviously there's a break. And if you want to continue again, it's another 120. To do what? Stay in the classroom or what? Study hall. Uh, I I don't think the school should be charging for that. Do you? Yeah. I don't either, no. I presume like they're sitting in the library or the hall or wherever they do it, I don't know, but it's 120 euro. Now, it is supervised. There is a teacher there, so that probably pays the teacher's wage, you know? Possibly, possibly that's the expense. But how many students would you have in the same? How many, yeah, yeah, true. How many students would you have staying in for after school? Oh, I'd imagine there's quite a few. As in dozens? 
more, I'd say. You <laughs> third years, you fifth years, you sixth years. It's quite, All exam students. It's quite lucrative then for the school, isn't it? Well, they're making a fortune, but sure, look. I'd love they have bills to pay too. I'd love if you came back with good news with regards to this and your elderly neighbour because it would be a win-win for all concerned. And oh, it'd be fantastic. Yeah. And like that, I was just wondering, like, has there been any of your listeners out there that have been in a similar situation and how did they go about it and how long did it take? Good question. You know? You've asked exactly what I was going to ask, so thank you for that. Anybody that can share their own experiences with swaps, get in touch and let's see, Joanne, all right? Brilliant. Thank you so much for taking my call. Fingers crossed. Good luck to you. Text 0868104106 if you've been down that route successfully or not. John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And thank you for holding. Uh, you wanted no to just problem. row in on uh, housing and homes, is it? I did, yeah. I had to make a long story short there, Neil. Um, my parents died there in the last five or six years, okay? Yeah, sorry to hear that. No, they were a family home and they were living there since the 60s. Now I applied for the same house. And I was told that it was adequately housed. That was a three-bedroom three house. I'm living in a flat on my own, a one-bedroom flat, for the last 15 years. And I was told I was adequately housed. Two months down the line, you're I find you're out... Living a, you're living alone in the flat? I'm living on my own in the flat, yeah. I text my son every couple of, every second weekend, like, you know. Okay, yeah. A one-bedroom flat I have, Neil. Yeah, okay. But um, to call it a long story short, as I said, I found out a couple of months down the line that there was a single guy who got this house. Living on his own, no kids or nothing. Now I don't, I don't want to know. I don't want to know where this is or who it is. I won't tell you where or anything, and I won't mention no names or anything. But you know the guarding part about it, Neil. There's a wheelchair ramp onto the house because my sister was in the wheelchair, and I was told by the city hall that that house would be only given out to a disabled person or a disabled family. And there we have this guy, fit as a fiddle in his thirties, and he got a three-bedroom house with a disabled ramp onto it. No, and, and he has, he has that, that individual, and I want to protect his privacy as best I can, but that individual does not need uh, a ramp facility. He doesn't no, have no, canes, no. crutches or a wheelchair. Nothing like that, nothing like that, Neil, because I still have neighbours up there and I still talk to people up there. And I was told who got the house. And I was told who got the house. There's nothing whatsoever wrong with this guy. And here I am on the way in this 15 years in the one-bedroom flat with three flights of stairs. And I see OPD and I've had problems and I can't get nowhere. And, I, and that was the family home I was refused. Why, so then, would they give, why then would they give out a three-bedroom home with a ramp for a wheelchair to a fully fit 30-year-old no on his own? I think I'm just there to come into the conclusion just who you know of in City Hall and not what you know. Or is it how, how much you hassle them? Yeah, maybe you have to keep on to them all the time or something, I don't know. But I am on to them all the time myself, Neil, and I'm getting nowhere. I seem to be getting nowhere. Because the 30-year-old... Should be in the one bedroom flat, I would have thought. He should be here, yeah. And not, I mean, the house, um, not quite in the clash. I'm not, so, not, so, sure you should, I'm not so sure you should be in the three bedroom on your own. Do you know what I'm saying? But I know it's your family. I know, home and but there was other members of my family could have, other members of my family to keep it in the family. Like, the you point know, is, I mean, what is a three bedroom disability adapted house? Because I imagine inside the house is somewhat dis, uh, disability friendly too, is it? It is, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of it done. There was so a lot what, of it done, yeah. So the shower and everything was adapted. What's an able-bodied person, 30 years old, doing in a three-bedroom house? I can't understand it, Neil. I just can't understand it. I, mean, I was told I was adequately housed anyway. That's all the answer I got. I was told I had the leg to stand on because my name wasn't on the rent book. Wasn't on the rent book, yeah. yeah. Wasn't on the rent book. But, it, but, it, told, but yeah. it's, it's, it's particularly upsetting because it was the family home you were reared in as well as everything else. I should have one of the first schemes up there, Neil, to up in the north, I won't mention exactly I where, know. but... I know. But they were in the house since the 60s, like, my mother and father. 
I mean, if my father was back alive to see it, he'd be disgusted all the other night. I know, I know. It sounds like it, a, another example of wasted resources. It is, exactly, yeah, exactly. And here I am in the flat and I'm struggling with stairs and everything, like, you know what I mean? And I'm just told I'm out to be adequately hold. In spite of the I fact that you're you COPD, they, they, they don't... And I have any. problems as well, yeah. No, it doesn't seem to matter. It doesn't seem to matter. You could have a bang on the stairs, like climbing up to your flat. I could. I'd be caught for breath, Neil. I'd be caught for breath, like, you know what I mean? That's heartbreaking, well, isn't it? It's heartbreaking. Yeah, how, how does especially that the family home, like. The family home as well, I know. All right, John, thanks for sharing. Text 0868 104 tell you one fellow who doesn't have problems um, in the life that he lives, and that's King Charles. I don't know whether you saw over the weekend uh, online that he has now hired a full-time piper to wake him up every morning. So Charles, the king, will have bagpipes played outside his window at 9 a.m. every day Um, because he likes to wake to the sound of bagpipes, I suppose. Um, I think it's extraordinary on a lot of different levels here. One is that, you know, (laughs) nobody seems to have a problem with the king hiring a full-time piper when others have problems putting on their electricity or heating their homes. But wouldn't you hate to be the full-time bagpiper, that that's your only gig, that you would have trained and practiced and mastered the bagpipes all your life just to play outside some guy's window at 9 o'clock every morning. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 0818-104-106. Just talking about stuff uh, across the water, actually. Um, at this, <laughs> I mean, even, even in the times of worry, um, you know, certainly with regards to fuel poverty, people can still find an opportunity uh, to laugh. There's um, a caption going around. It's the it's the UK's most popular chat up line at the moment. It used to be. Do you remember years ago people would say? I mean, it's a really sexist thing to say. I don't know if anybody actually said it in a real life circumstance. You'd say to a girl or to a guy, maybe get your coat, love. You've pulled. Um, now apparently, what they're saying, the UK's most popular chat up line is get your coat, love. My central heating's on. <laughs> you got to laugh no matter spot, no matter what. Anyway, don't even talk about the cost of fuel because uh, we're all seeing it, aren't we? And who knows what it's going to be like across the, the winter. And another one or two actually of interest that I didn't do earlier this morning is um, if you have a problem, apparently, with children who just won't eat uh, their vegetables. And I can understand. I have sympathy with some kids because I'm very picky about vegetables. I don't like carrots. I've never liked carrots. Um, but they're apparently very good for you. Did you ever see a rabbit with glasses, for instance? Uh, but apparently the recommendation now is to grate carrot into porridge um, or add spinach to their morning smoothie, assuming it is that you're a wonderful parent and you prepare a smoothie for your children of a morning. But apparently the idea now is to grate the carrot, cut the carrot into the porridge, or if they like breakfast cereal... <laughs> Grated into breakfast cereal. I mean, who makes these surveys? I mean, do they make these things up? I mean, the um, the actual taste buds of a child are so highly developed, like that even one shred of a carrot is anything to go by. My kids in their youth would be picked up straight away. I mean, you're just not going to get away with it. Anyway, they, also the, the big the big change now, of course, in the home is. Does anybody have milk in the house anymore? And everywhere I go now, it's oat milk and it's almond milk. But it's almost impossible to get milk. I mean, what, what, how could out of the cow fall so out of favour? And I'm just mentioning two now, oat milk and almond milk. There are lots of other ones besides. Um, just bring back the old 
pint of milk, will you, for God's sake? Anyway, text 0868104106. Enough of me. Back to the phone lines we go. George, good morning. Hey, good morning. And, uh, no, quite, and this is quite serious, obviously it is. Um, tell me about your own situation, because you've been listening to others with housing problems and the housing list, and more people are saying it's not where you are on the list, it's who you know. Yeah, I start to believe that as well, because to be honest, we're, we're on the list for 16 years. One six, sixteen. Yes, yes. And uh, we're living in this property that was rented through RAS, uh, for over 12 years now but we we got to notice in January that the landlord wants to sell yeah so many um, selling yeah they all want out they're yeah. paying way too much tax they think 50% of the rent is going in tax yes assuming but, uh, that they're telling the truth like some landlords might not necessarily be selling and others want to flip to Airbnb but anyway yeah, <laughs> yeah it could be the case <laughs> But anyway, uh, we contacted the council immediately and they told us they would sort something out for us. But, uh, however, the deadline was the end of August. They Then they moved it to the end of September and now it's the end of October. But uh, I can't still still get any answer from the council. So on, in the 16, years on, the 16 years on the waiting list with rent allowance and what have you, did you ever get an offer of anything? No, no, okay. I did not. Uh, but uh, were you ever able to save up for a deposit even years ago when housing was cheaper no I could not because unfortunately for me in, uh, I had an ac- a working accident a few years ago and I hurt my back I tried to fight my way back into the job market I got a few jobs but uh, you know low pay and the, my daughter's going through college and school oh, and all of that man. so it wasn't it wasn't easy to, to, to save up for that you tried but the pain and the disability prevented you from going back to the work you were doing yeah until until the end of 2018 I, I, I couldn't even walk straight up and you know so I had to stop and uh, at this moment is a waiting game for the doctors try to at least make the pain a little bit better oh, if that happens uh, so you would have gone from a full back. you would have gone from a full well paid job with a good wage to a disability yeah. allowance yes yes that's right Th- that transition must have been very hard it is it is very hard for me mentally and uh, in all all different ways you know but uh, you were in construction yes i was a steel fixer Oh my God! So sixteen years and never an offer. Um, nope. But what's going on around you then? There's some aspects of that conversation I want to hear as well. Yeah, because uh, you see, there's two houses here that belong to the same people. That's where number six and number seven belongs to them as well. So we both got to notice on the same day. Uh, my my neighbors are already relocated. They were given a new house in Blackrock in the end of July. And by whom? Here. Is it city council? By council, yes. And uh, we're still in this situation. We don't know where to go, to be honest. In the end of the month, we, we might have to live in the car. Unfortunately, I heard a lot of people going through the same. Uh, that's, that, that's what's going on around here. But uh, my point here is there's how fair is the least because I would like the council to explain what's the difference between us and our neighbours. Maybe the length maybe the length of time that they were on the list was longer than uh, your no, 16. No, 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 that's, that's not the case. We were actually on the list before them. And you know that to be true, yeah? Yes, I do. Okay. Significantly longer? 
uh, significantly, yeah. Okay. Well, at least, at least a couple of years. Maybe it's about the amount of people in the family, the amount of children, the ages of the children? Uh, no? Well, could, could, be, could be that case, even though the, the difference in number of people is not, uh, you know, there's one okay. person, maybe one okay. child. Okay. But... Um, it's heartbreaking there's other, to... There's, it's other, hard, there's yeah. other cases that I know that people that were in the list for a couple of years and they were offered new houses and uh, people that I know. And, uh, you know, so... It's but why, not, do, uh, why does that happen? Because that's very unfair. I mean, does it depend on the circumstance? You could be 16, somebody else could be two. Yeah, that's exactly what you said before. It depends who you know. The way I see it, and from from examples that I know that were given council houses without being on the list for that long, is the the the, the people they know, the contacts they have, and that could be what a councillor, a TD, an official in local government, well, or whatever. TDs, TDs. To be honest, I don't think they they have much impact in this because we contacted uh, Mr. Thomas Gold and Mr. Kalmberg and. They all sent emails to the house, and that that did, didn't even seem to be any help for us. So, I, to be honest, I don't know. So, when you hear of able-bodied thirty-year-old men getting a three-bedroom house with a disability ramp, and they're one hundred percent fit, that's utterly depressing yeah. to hear. It is. It is, and especially here, and the other gentlemen having problems and uh, having to live in a flat with three flights of stairs. That's. You know, it's these kind of situations make people disbelieve in council. And the problem, the main problem here is uh, people just can't afford to go and rent privately because the rents are gone ballistic. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that it's uh, it's also a case that people working within housing, whether it's the city or the council, are totally and utterly overwhelmed and burned out in their jobs that there isn't enough to go around and that they have to have some kind of uh, leeway for special circumstances and not necessarily always follow how long somebody's on the list and they find that really, really hard to deal with as workers within housing. It comes as no consolation to you, I know. Um, But that also, I, I also did hear that if you're always on the case and that you're constantly on the phone or constantly calling in, it does t- does tend to help because you become uh, the squeaky wheel. If you, if you don't mind, Neil, I've been calling the council almost every day and nobody picks up the phone. I have to leave messages and I do. I went in, I've been going in at least once a week and they tell me they're not seeing people on one-to-one that I have to call in so, in the end of the day... You have to phone in, but they, answer, they don't answer phones. So, they don't, exactly. do, yeah, they don't do walk-ins, but when they tell you to call, there's no one answering the phones. Exactly. So, in the end of the day, the last time I managed to speak to someone in the council was last week, early last week. Um, and uh, basically, they were just pushing, you know, Raz is pushing the faults to allocations, allocation is pushing the faults to, to Raz. So, and in the meantime, we're every day, we're getting day by day closer to the end of October. What will you do at the end of October? I have no idea. I have no idea, Neil. I have a lot of people, I mean, speaking to a lot of people about this and uh, 
the advice I've been given is stay in the house, don't leave the house. But the problem is they probably will send the gas to take us out of here. You know? And are the children young or do you mind me asking? No, they're, they're uh, my daughters, uh, 26 and 21, the, the daughters we have living with us. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, so yeah. I already spoke to a friend who at least allow us to you know, keep our belongings in his garage or something. Good God. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. It could be split up, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you or know. maybe maybe we can move inside the council offices because I lost about a year of my life working in there building that thing. So, <laughs> I know. It's ironic, isn't it? It is. It's a tragedy. We're in the middle of a tragedy for many, many families and people of all ages like your good self. There is, unfortunately, there is a lot of people going through the same situation as us. Obviously, I can only speak for ourselves. I, I appreciate that. I, I, I listen that. to your show a lot of times and uh, I hear about it. And, and, and it's ridiculous the amount of houses, especially here in the area that we're living in. We're up in Holly Hill. And the, the houses, the amount of houses that are boarded up just standing there, you know, it's ridiculous that we're having all these problems. They're just not turning them around. And then there's private homes that are literally boarded up and unoccupied as well for many years. I think, that, there's, yeah. I think there's a council house somewhere on the north side. I remember doing this about six months ago. And it's got a patio door and there is a tree growing inside in the patio door that has gone absolutely wild and is bursting out through the patio glass. That's how long yeah. it's been unoccupied. Would you believe it? Yeah, yeah, I, believe, I do, I do. And I mean, uh, why don't they fix these houses that there shouldn't be that hard to fix them and give them to people, take people off the streets because it's getting worse and worse by the day. I know. Um, the best I can do for you at this stage is listen to you and hope that things improve for you, George. I really do. Thanks very much, Neil. Thanks very much I for, know, it's for a little, I know, sure, it's a little consolation. But do stay in touch, yeah? Yes, I will, of course, Neil. Okay, Thank my you friend, very much. mind yourself. Sabrina, good morning. Good morning. Uh, you got a rent allowance 10 years ago, is it? Yeah. Okay. Were you in the same house for those 10 years? Uh, no, we were in the house for three years, and then the landlord gave us notice to quit. He was selling the house. Yeah. And then, like that, man, we went looking at different houses. No one was taking the RAS, the rent allowance. No one wanted it at that time. So that was seven years ago. Um, yeah, it was a nightmare. Uh, it came to a fact that they said they could get me into a Dell house. But I said, where was he meant to go? And they so, were like, what, you, so you would go with the kids, is it, to a Dell house? Um, but yeah, well, uh, one child is mine, the other child's previous relationship. So they offered me a Dell house with my son was only just after turning one so they said I could go into Edel house and he'd have to go to friends houses or it didn't matter where he went so they would he find somewhere for you in Adele house but for your partner he'd be f- flying solo do your own thing yeah, yeah. Head, yeah. Down, head down to Simon or whatever the case may be Simon wouldn't have taken him because it it was full, so it was literally, they just said he can go to friends' houses, sleep on couches. And the reason why care. people weren't taking uh, rent allowance, were you ever given a reason why? It's the same for people on HAP. What was the reason given? There was never a reason. They just would ring up and say, oh, sorry, that house is gone. Oh, sorry, that house is gone. They were interested. I remember I went to a house up in Grange and they were interested. I had a deposit. I had everything with me. And... 
the minute they saw the car sticker, like I had baby on board in the back of my car, they were like, have you a child? And I was like, oh, I child mind. Um, and they were like, right. And then I said about Raz and they were like, sorry, this house actually is um, not available anymore. Like straight out, I was in mid-conversation with this person. So you were knocked down for not just Raz or rent allowance, but also for the fact that you had a child. Otherwise they wouldn't have mentioned yeah. the sticker on the car. No. So no. they don't want kids. They don't want rent allowance. They don't want HAP. What do they want? What's the ideal tenant then? God only knows. Someone that works all day, that's never home, no kids, no pets, no rent allowance. You know that it's discrimination if you refuse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but they would never say it straight out that that is the reason why. They'll never give you a reason why. so So they will never advertise no HAP apply. No. Um, they can't state no. that it's HAP. So they it's hard to find a way of prosecuting them. But it is illegal to refuse payments. It is. It is. But they would never say, we're not taking you over this, that and the other. They just say, sorry, this property isn't available anymore. So it came to about, I think it was a fortnight I'd left because I went to Threshold to see if I could get the... Um, the eviction notice extended to get longer time and we were lucky the man that did buy it he was doing it up so he said look you can stay for another two weeks and then the RAS department got in contact with us and was like look we, we have a house here down on Cove Street we were like yeah brilliant we went straight down and looked at him. sorry before that they showed us a house that wasn't suitable for a family at all but like, why I need to ask you why what was unsuitable about it um, they were putting the four of us into a two bed and they said, why don't we turn our kitchen into a kitchen and sitting room and our sitting room into an extra bedroom and that might solve your problem. And you'd have to pay for all of that, would you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but then it was two weeks before we were meant to get out, they came to us with another house down Cove Street and I mean, we were looking at <laughs> the streets or this house on Cove Street, which we took straight away. We were like, yeah, we'll take it. Brilliant. But then, like, shoot everyone down on Cold Street. The child can never go out and play because there's, like, dirty needles. There's everyone around down here. Do you know what I mean? All different walks of life. So he and was is that, of, where like, you are, is that where you are now? You're on Cove Street with all of that going on outside the door? Yeah. Like what? People shooting up heroin and drinking yeah. and shouting and roaring and fighting, is it? People squatting at our front door using it for the bathroom for number two. Like, it's ridiculous. Then you've here. got to clean that. We, yeah, throw water and just uh, kind of get rid of it. Is that regular? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't see it. You can't first, see it. Yeah, go on. I remember our first Halloween in here, our front door got smashed. We were like, what the heck? We were only in here about three weeks at that time. But it was young as Blackguard and like, which you get over, but then it kind of turned to it was adults that were actually around. So this is just off Douglas Street, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, but like that, we went back and we were fighting to the City Hall, the Raz, for ages. And I never forget, we went in, the both of us were trying to buggy. We were like, we, we've no life down here. We can't let him go outside the front door. She was like, how dare you? We put a roof over your head. And we were like, we never said you didn't. But we were on, wondering if we can go on a transfer list. And they were like, we got a letter to say that our house needs had been met and that we would never be housed because we took Raz. Yeah. They felt that their obligation to you was fulfilled and they were yeah. moving on to others. I can kind of I can kind of see 
how they would say that. But then again, they don't live what you live with every single day and every single night. No, and we students live in next door and the house parties will be going all up, um, you know, Traverse Hill, all up the hill, all like the back garden, the front garden. And I literally sat in my bedroom, windows closed, everything, took a recording and it sounded like they were in the room with me and I sent it in. They just didn't care. Okay. And you've never said anything to those outside taking a crap or to people shooting up or the house party. You've never said anything to them. You keep to yourself. Do you know what? You can't really approach the people doing that on the street. They're, they're not approachable because they're not with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. they're not with it. Like the, the neighbour after a while that used to have the house parties used to call, come in and apologise the next morning. But I'm like, alright, look, move on. You can't do anything about it. The guards used to come up and just drive past it because they tell them keep it down. Ten minutes later, the guards are gone. It was back up. But at this stage now, you're not on a list anywhere. You've been no. ho- you've been housed. There's nothing to see here. They're saying, make the most of it. Yeah, this is our forever home in their eyes. Yeah, sounds as if you're at the end of the road with the council on that one. Oh, definitely, because I've gone in numerous times for to see if I'd be on transfer like I've sent in I printed them off online photographs transfer lists and photographs everything I've sent in everything reason why we should be on a transfer list and we've got back and um, your house needs have been met at this time alright and, and the parting the parting are they students uh, yeah but thankfully they're not there anymore because they went off to Australia with all the doctors they're going back last month all the do- yeah, loads have gone to Australia. That's another day, yeah. another story. God, it's frightening the amount of young people that are going to Australia. Really and truly it is. And there, many of them have done their time in UCC. They've qualified, they've got a degree, they've got their master's and they're gone. Yeah. You're in a tough situation, Sabrina. Listen, look after yourself. If there are any updates, let me know, yeah? People would love to hear. I will, of course. All right. I will, of course. Take care. I'm going to run out of time. Family. And all, all families who in touch with me yeah. this morning. And I'd encourage others to get in touch too. Text 0868 with regards to your own thoughts. Say, for instance, on the housing list, how fair it is. Or house swaps. How have you got on with house swaps? One final bit of business, though. I was chatting earlier on about this morning about hotels. And I was saying, is it any wonder that people have little enough sympathy for them because they put up their rates, etc.? particularly when there's a big event on? It doesn't just happen here. It happened across the water in Liverpool. The minute that was announced that they got the Eurovision, everybody who had bookings in lots of hotels, well not everybody, but an awful lot of people who had bookings in a lot of you hotels in Liverpool were contacted to say that your booking had been cancelled uh, and the prices went through the roof by all accounts. Dermot Vaughan is the general manager of the Middleton Park Hotel and believes that I should be changing the narrative. Dermot, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And um, thank you for taking the call. Back. Yeah, thank you. In what way, if, if it's proven that hotels do put up rates at popular times, why change that narrative if it's true? Yeah, well, I, first of all, Neil, I, I'd be a good supporter of yours, you know, and I, I listen to you quite regularly. And we, with a lot of us in the hotel industry in Cork would see you as a massive, um, I suppose, ambassador for our industry throughout the years. And... I do think it's time that, especially in Cork, that we certainly change the narrative around rate gouging. Um, we as hoteliers, and I can only speak on behalf of myself, but hoteliers in Cork for certain were very 
I suppose, put out by the comments of Pascal Donahue, uh, the minister in relation to rate gouging, and he, he certainly focused in around Dublin prices, you know, and I suppose as a second city, we, we see ourselves as as very proud, um, as you know, and we have excellent value proposition in our hotels and guest houses and B&Bs in Cork, and I do think that the narrative... But do, yeah, I know, but do the rates go up when there are events on? Absolutely. And I, I don't think you'd, you'd have ever spoken to any hotelier um, in relation to rates going up. Rates go up every day, Neil. Rates, our, our rates are flexed on a daily basis down to supply and demand. And, and this, is, this is one thing that I think we need to discuss because I've, I've heard you, I've heard other radio presenters, journalists speak about rates and rate gouging and rates going up and rates coming down for peak season. But the question that I ask you, and it's a very straight question, I do advertising for my hotel here with from Middleton. I actually hear it on your show this morning, okay? Right. In relation to advertising. And we advertise in your show. And the question I want to ask is how come it's more expensive to advertise in your show than it is on a show in the evening time? Because more people listen. Okay, and that's the exact point I'm going to make. There's a more demand at certain times of the season, and that's why the prices go up. Mm, that's, a re- that's, a, that's a reasonable argument to make, yeah, I have to say. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, it, I, think, I think from your point of view, Neil, we need you, we need you on our side more. But we, need you, we need you promoting Cork, as you do, for three hours every morning, five days a week. McCork Hoteliers are really, really pushing this agenda around value proposition, around the value that we give. All hotels are putting in capital expenditure to put Cork on the front. We work extremely closely with Seamus Heaney, his team in Visit Cork, to promote Cork as the number one destination. We work yeah, closely. Yeah, I know, but if you understand, no, and you are passionate about it, I get what you're saying, but if you look at us and compare us to other countries across Europe, whether it's France or Spain or Italy or the Greek islands or whatever, we pay an awful lot more for a night in a bed in a Cork hotel. I, okay, I agree with that. But the aforementioned countries you just mentioned, I was on, on Virgin Media with Paul, Paul Byrne last week, and these are the countries that are paying 6 7% VAT. We have a 9% VAT rate in the moment. It's being moved to 135 in March. We're fighting for that. We're fighting to get people and have a good value for both national, international, and people in our region. But what kind of a job are you doing it with when people across the summer were sending me examples of ridiculous hotel room rates when people wanted to perhaps holiday in Ireland? We, 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 I, I can only speak for my own hotel here in Middleton. We had absolutely outstanding value throughout the summer. And the advice I would give people, and I've been consistent in this messaging, the advice I would give people about... Um, Staying in holiday in Ireland, both both um, for domestic tourism, for for leisure, and for corporate, is book early and book direct. Yeah, it is very simple. Yeah. like it's it, it's very simple. If you were book, if you were to go on, if you were to go online today and want to go to London tonight, or you wanted to go to London this night next year, so there's obviously going to be different in in, in price. No, because because I, I know you're, cause you're booking early, but I, I could keep giving you examples of where people feel as if they're being mistreated. Say an average room rate in Dublin, 146 euro, um, went to 453 euro for the Ed Sheeran gig on the Saturday night in Croke Park. Okay, well, I think my argument is very clear with you there. Dublin, we are in Cork, and it, there's a massive difference. Cork hotels have consistently come out to say that we have massive value, we have outstanding hotels, we're all hotels, we're probably the only 
region, and when I say region, within Cork City and County, where each hotel general manager meets monthly with a very good chairperson, Joe Kennedy, and we meet monthly. And our number one priority, and it will always stay at the top of our agenda, is pushing tourism into Cork. How do we get tourism into Cork? No, I don't, I don't doubt that for a moment. Some might suggest, though, that it's how can we get as much out of the room rate as possible in Cork? Yeah, well, well, that's, that's the narrative we need to change. Because that's, that's not our agenda. Owen English did an article in The Examiner recently. He said, Ed Sheeran announced plans for seven gigs in Cork, Galway, Belfast and Dublin in May. Within hours, hotels were being accused of, you won't like the sound of this, profiteering. Room rates on the nights of the two gigs went up by all, up to 400% higher than the previous night's room rate. He gave an example of the Rochestown Park Hotel advertising a single room rate of €80 um, for the May 3rd. um, And then the room went to €341 for the next day when Ed Sheeran opens his tour in Cork at the time. Yeah, I I can't can't speak on behalf of Rochestown Park. I could have have won... You were were the marketing manager manager at the time of that room rate increase, though. Uh, for the Ed Sheeran assist. Yeah. I, I remember speaking speak to you about that yeah. years ago. So how and could you that, then, while sales and marketing manager of the Rochester Park Hotel, stand over a room rate increase from €80 Euro the night before to €341 the next day? I, I, actually, I actually think at the time it was down to weddings, but I can't, I can't, I can't, I actually can't recall the exact rationale or the reasoning behind it. But I, what I do want to say, I know, I know you're finishing up. Near no, but, four, I, four, but, but I, I will defend Cork businesses, but I need to have something to work with. Yeah, but I, I think I think you I think you I think you have I think you have something to work with, and I think the the examples and the prime examples and the the I suppose the example that you use there we're going back to Ed Sheeran. But I think if you look at the summer season we just had, and if you do an absolute analysis, and the stats are out there, if you look at the stats of what our average room rate was versus occupancy, and and Neil, we haven't even spoken once in this conversation about the rising costs, and it was very easy. See, we, we sell to customers. We're B2C, we sell to customers. But everything that's coming into to my hotel at the moment, everything, bar nothing, has an increase in it. And why that is not, I suppose, publicised or why it's not a top of the agenda, because those companies, beverage companies, linen companies, you that. name it, yeah. everything, people aren't buying off them. They're not customers, as in direct the consumers. But while we're selling to customers, we're having an experience, and that's why... It's, I, suppose, I know. I it's understand. Popular, I right? Know. I know. And 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 I do want. I do want to reiterate. I do know you're a master promoter of Cork. I do know that. You no, no, that's that's okay. I I mean, this started, and, and I'm out of time for now. I'm happy to continue this conversation in the morning with anybody else that wants to get involved. But this started this morning when I said that many hotels in Liverpool actually phoned up people after the Eurovision was announced for Liverpool, and they cancelled their hotel rooms for that night. Yeah, well, what I'd be saying to those who are cancelled, going to Liverpool, come to Cork. All right, okay. <laughs> we'll pick it up in the morning. Thanks so much, Jim Vaughan, General Manager of the Middleton Park Hotel. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Pick up the phone right now because we have another box of donuts. Wherever you are, whoever you're with, 12 to 15 of them in the box, some offbeat donuts on French Church Street. So get dialing on that as well. You might scoop a box of donuts. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.